Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Eric, how are you? I'm good, man. I mean, we are getting close to football season. We're less than 50 days away from football. We're like a hundred and I don't know, 30 days away from basketball season. We got recruiting going on. Cruton. That's what I call it. Cruton. Yeah. So yeah. How are you? I've got no complaints. I'm sitting here. Uh, it's scorching hot outside, but I've got a mini ac heat split in the garage now we've really upgraded this joint so the summer is not nearly as uncomfortable as it used to be you know where i like to get my ac is inside the interior of my car that i purchased from a place that we are powered by you like sort you sort of figured that one out you you knew where you wanted it to go you didn't know how you were going to get there you pieced it together in a way that was ultimately pretty smooth oftentimes what happens to me ward is the train leaves the station and then I'm hitting the switches as we go. Like, I don't, I'm just wildly hitting them and I don't know which track it's going to land in. I, I envision it more. The train has left the station and you're running like a maniac to jump on. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a movie. Yeah. And I'm like just one hand gripping the, the, the rod on the side of the car. Yeah. Look, communitycars.com. They're an incredible partner. They're an incredible partner because what they mean to Indiana University. Evan Martin, who runs the business with his father, who've been around for a long time. They were friends of Coach Knight. They were friends of the Indiana University program going back, you know, decades now. And they continue to be a supporter of IU Athletics. They're sponsors of the postgame show. They're big supporters of NIL. And they've been big supporters of us. And they sold me my car. I mean, are, are you 
are you happy with your car, Eric? Were you were you happy with what you had to do to purchase your car? Loved it. Loved yeah. every step of the process. They sent me a packet of papers. I love this. There's nothing better than when you get a packet of papers to sign with those little stickers that tell you where to sign with the little arrows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So you oh, just, yeah. You just peel to each one. I loved it. Yeah, that way you don't have to read anything. I don't read a damn thing. <laughs> I don't know how onerous the deal is that I signed, but I'm happy about it. And you can be happy about it too. Me? All you have to do, you or anyone listening, I was more of the communal you on sure. that. Because well, it's community cars, so you go for the com communal you. Yes. Not to be confused with the communal uh, you. And the sometimes why? I don't know what I was trying to say there. I the think you were trying to mock me. No, like, it wasn't. No, oh, it wasn't. Okay. I was but trying you, to say. Forgive me for thinking that's where it was going. <laughs> I, now I know what I was going to say. Not to be confused with the communal urinal. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Those fell out of fashion. Do you remember the ones that um, the troughs were the worst, right? Tro troughs were the worst. I saw a picture on Reddit the other day of a trough that somebody had passed out inside of. Just oh. some like drunk baseball fan. <laughs> Do you remember the circular? Communal urinals. Yeah, I've I've bellied up to a couple of those. Those are terrible. I mean, yeah. the, you're like then you're just staring at someone's junk. It's just terrible. Maybe you are. I look up at the ceiling. Do you? You, you really? I mean, I don't remember where my eyes went when I went to the circle. You're not you looking to the ceiling. You're not looking to the ceiling. I can I guarantee you that this is where we took the ad read for our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> we literally took it into the toilet. Literally. Communitycars.com, go online, call them, walk into a store, many dealerships in the Bloomington and Southern Indiana area. You're going to have a great experience. You're going to deal with somebody who's knowledgeable about the cars. They're not going to make you feel like you have to take a shower afterwards. You're going to yeah. get the best price you can get and in the easiest way possible. They're in it for the long run. They don't want the quick and easy sell. They're not going to down and dirty the situation. They want you to feel like a member of the family and they want you, hey, hopefully it's this time. You come in, you get great service. There's a good deal on the car that you want. Yes. And 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 then hopefully you come back again and again. And, and so they're not just looking for the quick buck. This is a long-term, multi-generational deal. You're welcome to be a part of the family. All right, let's talk about the Indiana University basketball family, which we are always trying to add to through Cruton. Cruton! Uh, as Mick Cronin and Michael Lewis say, don't recruit, get. Oh, I like that. Do or do not. Wait, yeah. no. Do or do not. What are you trying to do right now? Quote Yoda. Do or do not, there is there no is try. No try. Yeah. Do your best Yoda voice. Do or do not, there is no try. Do or do not, there is no try. I think somewhere in between those two is Yoda. I think yours is probably better. Do your best Chewbacca voice. I can't do a Chewbacca, never have. Bah! Okay, I mean, not great, but much better than mine. Bah! Uh, what about uh, Kermit? You ever do Kermit? Kermit's well, that's pretty good. Can you sing Rainbow Connection as Kermit? Um, why are there so many songs about rainbows? And, and what's, what's on, on the, the 
other side. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Enough of this bullshit, Ward. <laughs> Let's talk about Cruton. Okay. We are the the lasers are focusing in on 2023. They were scattered for a while, and they've honed in on a few prospects. The hot board on pigs.com has helped us understand who are the mutual interested parties. Mm-hmm. And right now the hot board reads Jamie Kaiser, number one. Love it. Arrington Page, number two. Great. Deshaun Harris-Smith, number three. TJ Power, number four. And Xavier Booker, number five. Though I think it is fair to say that there is a fairly thick line between three and the rest. Yes, yes, that would be my assessment as well. So those three dudes, Jamie Kaiser, Deshaun, and Arrington Page. Arrington Page is not playing this week. He, he like his knee got tweaked, oh, so he is not playing. That. Okay, I think that is a blessing in disguise for recruiting because he's just going to keep getting more and more interest the more he shows up. Less so that, and more, it's one less guy that you have to focus on now. Ah, I see. I you see. only get four guys that can go out and recruit. You know, you only get four recruiting positions to be out there. Right now, you've got Peach Jam happening in South Carolina. You have an event happening in Milwaukee, I believe, Under Armour. And you have Adidas happening in Los Angeles, Long Beach. You have Jamie Kaiser out in, and his teammates out in Long Beach. You got Xavier Booker up in Milwaukee. And you've got Deshaun and TJ Power, I believe, in Peach Jam. And Arrington Page, not playing. Okay. So it focuses us in even more. And Jamie Kaiser seems like right now the big fish that this staff is going for. 6'6", can shoot the lights out. Say that again. Say that again. Can shoot the lights out. Because for all the hand-wringing about shooting for a long time, but certainly since this administration showed up and took over the program, uh, we've all known that's been the case, but it still seems like they haven't really put the laser focus on that dude, and now we finally have that dude in our sights, and it seems pretty reciprocal. Yeah, I mean, look, it seems like it's us, Maryland, and Virginia. You know, he's taking an unofficial to uh, UCLA, but most people think UCLA is doing that more for to push Stoyakovich's kid to commit to them, which right. they're in great shape on. Maryland's people seem really confident, but Indiana's people are confident. So I think, you know, get this kid on campus, which is the big news that broke over the last few days, that we have those three guys that I just mentioned are coming on official visits in succession at the end of July once this period is over. Starting, what is it, next week, a week from today? It's today the 19th, 18th. So I think starting on the 26th is when the visits start. And so, I, I know at least on, on Paige and Kaiser, I, I feel like, has it been said that all three are looking to commit before their senior year begins? It does seem like that's what all three have said. You yeah. know, so you're talking like you're in the final stages. That, and that, these official visits are everything. Well, and when you have Bloomington in the summer with Coach Woody waiting to close the deal, you feel better about these visits, one, that they're even happening with guys of this caliber, and two, what what this crew does when these players come to town to close them, it's been working in a way that hasn't been for many, many years. So it when you think that, oh, 
like there could actually be a commitment before they leave town or right in the wake of it. It really, it's not just, oh, this is a kid and we'll find out in the next six months or a year. And hopefully he'll still even be like on our radar by the time he commits. It's like, well, no, this could all happen in quick succession and set us up very well for what we know will be um, a very, very, very different looking team next season. Yeah. I mean, that's why you just got to keep loading up with talent. And, you know, look, they're going for the shooter and Jamie Kaiser. They wanted TJ Power, and they still want TJ Power, six foot eight kid who does everything, including shoot the lights out, but does everything. High basketball IQ, great passer, great rebounder, great motor. It does seem like he blew up over the last couple of weeks, and now Duke and North Carolina are hard after him. There's still some talk that Indiana may get a visit. And look, in recruiting, in Cruton, you never know. You just never know what's going to happen. So, but to break those kids down, you've got Kaiser as the shooter. You've got Arrington Page as your big man, more of a traditional big man, but 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 a tough dude that they really like. And then you've got this Deshaun Harris Smith that's come on as of late, who is, I think, you know, an insurance policy on if Jalen Hood Shafino is so good that he leaves after one year. He is a six foot four, six foot five guard who can do pretty much it all. Not a great shooter like Jalen Hood Shafino, but can get to the hole, good vision, good passer, plays defense, Big Ten body, ready to bang. Yeah. And when, look, it's a great problem to have now where you have a freshman coming in so talented with all the physical specs that the league looks for, that it's a very real possibility he only stays one year. Um, and hopefully it'll be a wonderful year, but th- like that, that you have to look immediately to the next year to find a stud to replace him. And then you do pretty quickly because I think a lot of this concern about Jalen maybe being gone after one year is because he got to Bloomington and they've seen him day after day and are like, holy shit, we better find somebody to replace him because he's going to be gone sooner rather than later. Great problem to have. And especially when you have the kind of staff that identifies the guy and gets him interested as soon as they are. And yeah, let's just keep cycling these bad boys through. Totally. So these next couple of weeks are going to be really interesting. You got Peach Jam and all these events this week. Then you've got a week of visits where these guys come. Then there was just the announcement that at the beginning of August, uh, Jalen Harrelson and Trent Sisley, 2025 kids who are both going to be nationally ranked really high. Jalen Harrelson, you know, he's got a chance to be like a top 10 player in the country. Mm-hmm. And then Sisley seems like in the top 50 range. They're coming to Bloomington at the beginning of August. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you didn't care about those guys. They're so far down the road. I you don't really, but it's news. Attention. It is but news. It's news. But I'm excited about that because those are the best looking prospects in the state at any age right now. And yeah. that we're getting in this well with them this early bodes well. You know, and now now you're looking when those guys show up and whatever run they have potentially in Bloomington, that's towards the end of, of, of Woody's run in all likelihood. You know, those could be, if they stick around at all, some of his last main guys. And so now you're talking about not only keeping this thing going, building it through Woody's tenure, but also you're looking at what's he going to leave in the cupboard for whoever's next. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I'm not as excited about those guys yet. But I am excited about 2023 and these next two weeks because these next two weeks could go a long way in shaping the future of Indiana basketball. It so speaks well to, 
And and look, we know this staff isn't doing it in the uh, <clears throat> traditional way, but that we've got a great new recruiting class on campus. We've had a great retention rate with our current players, which we can't take for granted. Uh, a lot of people are fleeing their programs for greener pastures. Um, that we've already identified these guys for the next year or so, and that we're already getting in good for those beyond that. That just, to me, speaks of a program that's looking at the both the short-term and long-term and doing it well. Yeah. And if you want to get to know that recruiting class and those players that we retained, well, guess what? August 19th through the 21st of August, you've got many chances to do so. You got a fantasy camp that you can sign up for. Live the life of an IU basketball player. Play against Ward and I. We're going to be there. We're Dunk lacing them us. up. Dunk on us. Dunk on us. Go to HoosierFantasyExperience.com, HoosierFantasyExperience.com to sign up for this amazing fantasy camp where this current team will be our coaches and our Crazy. ball busters and everything else. <laughs> yeah. uh, sign up for the Hoosier Fantasy Golf Experience. A foursome or sign up as an individual. Every foursome will get paired up with either a current coach or an IU basketball legend. It's going to be an amazing list of people that are going to be part of that. The Fan Fest is Saturday night, the 20th. It's going oh, to yeah. be so much fun. All the players will be there. We're going to see a little scrimmage back and forth. First oh. time to see these guys play basketball. There's going to be some interactivity. There's going to be some contests where you can win some stuff. It's going to be fun. And then if you've got girls from grades one to six or boys grades one to eight on Sunday, sign up for the IU Women's Basketball Clinic, the IU Women's Basketball Team, which has got you know, stars like Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes back and new stars and reloaded from all parts of the country, including Indiana. Oh, yeah. Huge transfers. Um, Sydney Parrish back from Oregon, hometown hero coming back. They're going to run that fan that uh, clinic for kids on Sunday. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. Sign up while you can. You can do all four. You can do one of the four. You can do three of the four, or if you prefer, you can do two of the four. But there's something for everybody. There's still room in the pool. Jump on in. The water's fine. We're going to have a great time. And if you don't want Eric or I to speak to you, we won't. Yeah, well, you if have that, to pay extra for that. If that's, yeah, if that's the only thing keeping you away, we promise we'll st we'll keep our distance. $10,000 for that privilege of us not talking to you. I think that <laughs> might have been the thing we should have done from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. I've been looking forward to this episode because we talked about doing it a while ago and we don't often do one where you and I get to just kind of go back and forth on a juicy, um, you know, kind of like bar top talk. Whoa, whoa. Tacos, tapas, bar tacos, bar topic. That's what I was trying to say, but I couldn't spit out those eight letters. Topic. Bar topic. <laughs> you said bar, fine. The topic is what tripped you up. But you're right. And it's not just a bar topic. It's also a message board topic. And yes. as much as I'm looking forward to our, we'll see, uh, discussion, debate, argument, and we have a special guest coming on who will add his, uh, uh, let's say, uh, four, his four. Yes, yeah, his expertise. I would love to see everybody else's four. And if and if you had some that did, like, who didn't quite make it? Who was your next one in? You know, I think there's going to be a lot of that. But both Twitter, on the Peaks message board, wherever you're at, um, put it out there. Because I, I, I do want to hear, especially those who don't agree with whatever you and I come up with. Yes. Um, and this is, like, evolving. 
Like, I mean, it does evolve. I've, I've changed mine several times, but let's get to it and have a little fun. Okay. Let's get to it and have a little fun. I mean, what the hell is wrong with me? Oh, I, I mean, I think you should trademark that. <laughs> let's get to it and have a little fun. <laughs> All right. So look, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about doing this. We, we both took a few weeks to do some research. Think about it. Did you really? Because I just started doing it this morning. Oh, dude. I but mean, I did, but, but don't say that out loud. But I put a couple hours into it, and I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall short of what you or our dear listeners expect. I've got some stuff. I've come up well, with some stuff. Well, it, it would be hard to fall short of what our dear listeners expect <laughs> of us. <laughs> that is a low bar to clear, my friend. A low bar. I think we've done well for ourselves in that regard. Just, <laughs> just constantly under promise and under deliver. <laughs> uh, I just like we under promise and deliver something. <laughs> yeah, we're here. What do you want? We got out of bed. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we talked about doing the Mount Rushmore of Indiana University basketball players. We are agreed that we're not doing coaches and other figures. It's just players. Correct, yes. And I have been thinking about it a lot since, and I have gone back and forth on my list a couple times, uh, to quote you, a couple, three times. There you go. And I'm happy with where I landed, but it does bring up, and I'm sure you went through this as you were thinking about it. Like, what does Mount Rushmore mean to you? Like, yes. The, it, and, and you and I did not really discuss it other than I think we said the most impactful people for Indi- most impactful players, meaningful players for Indiana University basketball. Is that fair? Here's the four criteria I hit. Oh, OK. Pure talent. Just the the most talented one to pick up the ball and bounce it. Championships. Big Ten championships, national championships. Productivity. What what were the stats? What numbers did they put up? And then four, what is their legendary status? Mm. So like intangible, an intangible a little bit. Yes, and I think uh, being beloved is part of that, but also just when, when people... When you ask them this, who are the greatest IU basketball players of all time? Who lives in the imagination that way? That's a really interesting way to do it. I I did not think of it in terms of those four categories, but I certainly thought about all four of those categories as I went through it. What's interesting to me before we get into our picks, and then we're going to bring on a special guest to give us his picks, who has a little bit more skin in the game than either of us do. Certainly. Um, when you were going through that, do you weight all four of those categories equally? I wasn't that precise in terms of the weighting. It was just all were considered. And if you were heavier in one category than the other, that that could make up but, for a lack. All right. So, again, before we get into specific players, because I love these conversations. I'm always fascinated by lists. Can you, for me, rank those four? For you personally, those four categories. So you said um, pure talent, prod- uh, uh, championships, or let's call it winning. Is that fair? Like, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, 
Yeah, but not. But, but you mean championships I... means something more to you? Okay. Yes. Um, productivity, their yes. their actual individual productivity, and then the intangible legacy, if you will. I don't have live. a. I don't have a ranking for those four because does, does that mean you you so you do kind of weight them equally? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're all considered. And if you're like incredibly talented, but you fall short in the other three categories, that hurts you. So I will say that in backing into those categories from my list, I clearly weight winning slash championships more than the others. Like clearly that from when you hear my list and I'm sure we'll have some overlap. It would be weird if we didn't. Yeah. Um, But all of mine fit that like they all have that in droves. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm so intrigued where we're going to end up agreeing and not. But uh, I guess in hindsight, that is uh, it is a priority for me as well. And I think that goes to speak of what Hoosier fans value above all else, which right. is was those banners hanging at the end of Assembly Hall. Yes, and on on both ends. And it and it's why I discounted in some cases productivity because to me productivity without servicing the championships doesn't matter as much. It lessens it for sure. So, so I like, and, and it killed me to discount some of these players. I mean, it killed me. This is the ultimate exercise in Sophie's choices. Yes, it is. And it makes you feel awful. I mean, it did. I did. I mean, like some of these people we've gotten to know a little bit and I feel terrible or good putting them on or not. Um, all right. So shit, let's get to it. Well, how do you want to do this? You want to go one by one? Yeah. I, it, because I was thinking there's like, well, do we throw everybody? Like, is there, is there 10 people in the conversation? Do we kind of go through and be like, here are all the guys we considered. And then, and then maybe, sure we hit a few guys that aren't on our Mount Rushmore and kind of work our way into, we take turns. You name one of your four, I name one of my four. Um, yes. I'm trying to think if I have 10 guys that I consider. So I know I have my four on Mount Rushmore. Then I have... I have eight that I, that I really considered. Um, in terms of who I really considered to actually get on there. Yeah, I have eight. I think I also have eight. Let me, let me count again. I was scrolling too fast. It's so hard because when you, okay, well, all right. So let's do it by alphabetical order. Okay. I'll do mine by, I'll go, uh, I'll go by my (laughs) alphabetical order based on last name. Okay. Okay. I will go I will name the first guy that I consider. Okay. Uh and then we'll go back and say who we put on. So I considered Steve Alford. I also considered Steve Alford. Okay, we won't get into details now. We'll just we'll just list the players. Oh, oh well, I Because I feel like we're going to have to get into details. Well, well, what if we just kind of hit their absolute like like stat highlights stuff with like okay, this okay. is what you have to consider, sure. and then we're giving them eight candidates. So with Alfred, he was the best player on the 1987 championship team. 
52.9% from three-point range, uh, only his senior year because that's when it came into existence. Second in points with 2,438. Who knows how much higher that would have been with three-pointers. Sorry, that's well, kind of getting into the argument. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. But, I mean, look, he was the best player on the 1987 team. He won a Big Ten championship and won a, the last national championship. And, and look, we didn't talk about this. If we're also considering post-IU career or – or be, I did not. I I I thought about it, but it didn't really bo- it didn't really make the difference. But I don't think you can when you do Mount Rushmore of Indiana. I just don't think it can enter into the equation because so much else happens outside of that. It's what they did at Indiana and what their legacy at Indiana means. Fair. Okay. So that was I did Alfred. Okay. Next in the alphabetical list of people you considered. Uh, that would be the one and only making sure my, uh, alphabetical yeah. order. Yeah. Is I'm doing the same thing is Walt Bellamy. Yes. Yes. Uh, he was on my list as I'm not giving away whether I chose him, but he is absolutely, his numbers are staggering. I mean, his numbers from an averaging, I mean, he averaged in the mid twenties for a career and like 14 rebounds for a career. The, the rebounds are ridiculous. The blocks were not kept statistically at the time, but I think we can uh, guess that he would be right at, if not the very top in blocks because of his his freakish size and athleticism, particularly where the game was at at that point. And look, with Bellamy, and I don't know about for you, but there there are others for me that we're going to talk about that uh, it was a different era, and we have to take that into account and adjust for that. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that. Um, all right. I actually realize I have nine. I have a ninth, but I'm going to leave the ninth guy off and I'll talk about him afterwards because I just, he was on my list. Anyway. All right. Next in the alphabetical for me, I considered Quinn Buckner. I looked closely at Quinn Buckner and it's a case where the intangibles were so huge and he was the leader of arguably the two greatest teams in IU history, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't put him into the final. Well, final... no, you can't, don't, you don't, oh. you can't say, you can't say, you, you don't understand what we're doing here. No, no, but, but, but because I didn't have him in my top eight. Oh, you didn't. Okay. You didn't consider no, him. Okay. Right. I, he is definitely in my top eight. Because all he did was win and yeah. lead. Yeah. And from his freshman year on, like the guy was on, I mean, he was on the final four team, right? At the beginning of his career. Yeah. And the 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 steals, like the ridiculous number of, of steals. And assists. Uh, and assists, and, of course. I and mean, just, and defensively. Yeah. Well, and, and this is where this isn't to to add to his argument as as the IU Mount Rushmore guy, but just for listeners to understand how good he was defensively, he was four-time all-defensive team in the pros. Yes. I mean, it is and, – and everyone we've talked to, Ward, about those teams talks about Quinn yep. and how he was the straw that stirred the drink. Mm-hmm. And so he is definitely in my top eight. Okay, next now, on the list. One more thing to talk about, Quinn, because I, I did not, and I doubt you did, uh, like his role now, right, as the um, – as the chairman of the board of trustees, you didn't consider stuff like that, right? Nope. It's just I only considered he, their time at Indiana on the court. Yep. Great. Just to clarify. Same. 
All right. So I actually think this next one in the list Wait, of alphabetical, it is. I'm, I'm just prefacing it. Uh, this may be the one that you considered and that would be like the reason I have nine because you didn't have Buckman. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we're going to the C's, baby. Double C's. Calbert freaking Chaney. Oh, I was my my uh, my alphabet. I'm an idiot. So my <laughs> I am wrong on the alphabet. Calbert Chaney is absolutely part of my top eight. I mean, come on. I mean, it's Calbert. It's I mean, Calbert. He's the all-time Big Ten leading scorer. The point of the game is to put the ball in the basket, right? Well, it's to win. But to do that, you've got to put the ball in the basket. You've got to put the ball in the basket. He did it more than anybody else in the history of Indiana University. He did it at the highest level on teams that won at an elite level, won Big Ten championships, made a Final Four, Fell short of the national championship. Yeah, and look, but, this this is where how much does luck play into legacy? Because if you're talking about the, the refs hosing us against Duke in his final four or Henderson's knee injury the next year, this is that that it inevitably the way we're waiting this it hurts Calbert that he didn't get one one of the big banners. Totally. All right. Next on the alphabetical list, I did consider Archie D's. You have to. Yeah, I mean the stats are ridiculous. They're staggering, and 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 when we we go back through and we start to get into them, because I I I did some extrapolation, right? Because like Archie D's played sixty eight games, right, right. Whereas like Calbert and Alfred and those guys are like one twenty five, one thirty. So this will factor into narrowing it down to the the final four. Okay, after Archie D's. Uh, so after Archie D's, let me. Go through my alphabet. I think we're taking a big jump to Scotty May for me. Yeah. I mean, best player on the best team in the history of Indiana. So, yes, he is in my top eight. And you put it like that, right? And then, you know, like an award season where, okay, there's three guys up for best supporting actor from the same show. Right. Does it hurt? Do you split the vote? That's a great point. That's a great point because look who we did not discuss. And he was not in either one of our top eights was Kent Benson. And and he was in that sort of 15 guys I looked at. Yeah, yeah of course he was in there. But then when you think about maybe some great players who had very little supporting cast, and so they're so productive compared to a guy guys like that who also had, you know, Bobby Wilkerson. And Steve Green, you know, and John Laskowski and Jim Cruz. It's like, how much greater might their numbers have been if they weren't on a really great, all-time great team with a lot of talent and just great sharing of the ball? It is interesting, though, the more I think about it, that neither one of us put Benson in our top eight. When you think about the fact that, like, from a scoring perspective, he wasn't that far off from Scott May. No, from, and he's from a like, rebounding perspective, he's much better than Scott May. And he he played a pivotal position. I mean, that was back in the days where having a five man back to the basket, you know, who had some touch and could move and could play defense. Like statistically, from a production standpoint, it's hard to argue with Kent Benson's production, but yet you and I both agree he didn't beat out May for the top eight inclusion. He was the the final four MVP of the 76 champs. He was a two-time All-American, uh, 
ninth all-time in points, third all-time in boards, and the first number one pick in the NBA draft. Yeah, maybe he should be in our top eight. I mean, it's <laughs> making me rethink. It's making me rethink Kent Benson, honestly. Just this conversation. I had him on my larger list, but I didn't. I basically decided not to give anything away because we've talked about Quinn being on my top eight. I decided one guy from that era has to be on Mount Rushmore. Okay. okay. Like I, I, I did do that, but, but who I decided was a difficult thing. And now I'm like, man, maybe I made a mistake because. Oh, all right. Well, look, we'll talk about it when we get there. We'll talk it, about it. When it we is get. agonizing. And it's why, and, and look secrets out. Neither of us are going to be right. Right. Nobody on earth is going to be right. But what an embarrassment of riches for Hoosier fans to have this dearth of talent across so many decades and generations that it makes for a really ongoing, lifelong conversation. And and this is where we're at right now in July of 2022. <laughs> uh, next on the list for top eight consideration for me, Don Schlunt. Don Schlunt, yes, also in my top eight. Okay, I mean, he he won. His numbers are staggering. You look at the record books; he is at the top of almost everything. Yes, uh, it's remarkable what he did from a production standpoint and and, and a winning standpoint at Indiana. So, and just yes, to clarify, clearly in the top eight. Yeah, and to to for those who don't know, because we're we're going way back here, he won. The, the 1953 championship with Bobby Slick Leonard and all those guys. So um, it's certainly one where it's a combination of incredible numbers, productivity, and winning at the highest level. All right, next. You did I... you did skip one on my top eight. Ooh. Who, uh, I never really considered him for the top four, but I just kind of like his single season statistics are so staggering. Jimmy Rail. Uh, no, I thought about Jimmy Rail too. Okay. okay. But 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 the guy who I went, uh, I just looked at him and be like, well, he oh. would be the number one all time. Oh, if I know who you're talking. McGinnis. McGinnis. If he'd even played three seasons, um, and I get it, I get it. It was just one season. But, but he's same, in your top eight. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, look, because you say, went well. You talked about your categories. I mean, from a talent perspective, he is better than everyone. I mean, look, I, I actually think there's a couple people after going through this that are like, well, maybe they're right there with him. But I would say most people, especially those who were alive and watched him play, you know, the generation before us who speak to that. It's it's hard to deny if he's not at the very top all time. He's right there. And and what he did afterwards, you know, obviously proves that. But also what he did, let's just say in his one season at Indiana, he averaged 30 points and 15 rebounds again. Yeah, th that's why. Uh, so I'll be honest with you. Like, I love George McGinnis. And that year is the single greatest season in the history of Indiana University basketball. I think you and I would agree there. From an individual production standpoint, that's why the other guys that I would put on the list that are really talented and have the pure talent, none of them had a year like that. None of them. And this was his first year playing. He yeah. wasn't allowed to play his freshman year. And he just dominated in a way that Shaquille O'Neal didn't dominate, you know, at LSU. He mm -hmm. dominated in a way 
that very few have done it at the college level. The reason I didn't consider him was twofold. One year and no winning. Had, had he won a Big Ten championship, we'd be having a different conversation. He definitely would have been in my top eight. But the fact that it was, or, or if he had done what he did his freshman year for two straight years, right? I think it'd be a different conversation. But for me, it was the one year plus not winning doesn't make him into the top eight of Mount Rushmore. Not top eight of talent. Right, not top right. eight of talent. It's just one one consideration. But to me, the talent was so prodigious. I had to be like, well, let me just think about him. And, it, and I didn't think about him that long because I knew even going into that, it's like, you, you just can't. You just can't. There's too many guys who put in too many years to this program who are incredible that he's not going to he's not going to make the final cut. You just revealed another thing that you shouldn't have revealed. You shouldn't be revealing that he didn't make your final cut yet. Right. That was a mistake. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I have two left. I think you only have one left. Um. Let's see. Uh, yes, I have one left. That is correct. Let's say it at the same time. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. I mean... Only two years, but this is the McGinnis argument a little bit. Two years, but he won. And he won Big Ten titles both years. Yes. Which is a big deal. And then, obviously, the ultimate prize, the national title in 81. You know, we'll go – we'll dive into why he made the Final Four or didn't make the Final Four as far as his production. But the dude won, and it's Isaiah Thomas. I mean, okay. Well, and and see, though – that is where as much as you're like, whatever he did after IU doesn't matter. Yes. But like we grew up in the eighties, like you, you can't, you can't go away. You can't just completely dismember that part of his career. It clearly affects when, when you look at the, the, the pure numbers and stuff like that, you're like, yes, very impressive. The point guard, a final four MVP on the championship team. You gotta, you, you think of all that stuff and that holds up on its own, but also named one of the 50 greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah. I, I did discount everything after Indiana. I was just focusing, but he made my top eight. Yeah. Okay. I have one more that made my top eight that didn't make yours, although my top eight was really a top nine. That is controversial. Okay. This, this one's controversial. Okay. And I guess this one, this is the only one that I considered that doesn't fit the winning championships category as much as some others. Okay. I considered Cody Zeller. Really? Yeah. Because of a couple things. That fourth category that you talked about, legacy, Mm -hmm. Indiana basketball was dead. It was dead. Post-2000, it's been terrible. And Cody Zeller choosing to come to Indiana and what he immediately did to that program for the two years that he was there was a seismic shift. I mean, seismic. His recruiting class was him and I think Austin Etherington. Like, there was no one else. The next year, Yogi came and the movement, which was nobody. And Yogi was a role player in Yogi's first year. But the team was the team that won like 10 games the year before Cody. Cody shows up and they beat number one Kentucky. They compete in the Big Ten. 
They're back. They go to the Sweet 16. And then the next year, they win the first outright Big Ten Conference championship in 20 years. And I just think that what he meant to the rebirth of Indiana, where we have seen that it's been a freaking desert for so long. Mm -hmm. When you look back at what he meant to that team and what he meant to even the latter success that Crean had with the the last Yogi team, like that only happened because of Cody. Okay. Only. I I appreciate that. I I did weight the legacy and what it meant at the time much more in this one than I did for anybody else. So I will... I will add a couple things to that. One, you could argue his sophomore year, he wasn't even the best player on the team. No, I don't think you can argue that. I think Vic was not close to the best player on that. Not, not. I shouldn't That's say that. That's not fair. No. I think we even You're had right. a moment where I turned to you and I said, "Vic's better than Cody." But he was Cody, and we've heard. I, look, I'm taking myself out of this. When you talk to Will Sheehy and Jordan Holtz and Tom Crean, we haven't had the pleasure of talking to Vic. But when you talk to all those guys, they tell you, like Will broke it down for us. Cody allowed Vic to become what he became. Sure. That all the attention that Cody drew, when they when he would post up and they would get him the ball, and even when they wouldn't get him the ball, there was so much attention on Cody. And when he did get the ball, he was so good at passing. He was not a guy who was like looking to score 25. It allowed for Vic. So I still think Cody was a half step above Vic, even though I agree with you, Vic was insane. Cody changed the dynamic. Here's what I'll say. I did not even start going into Cody or Vic, but who I did go into was Yogi. Wow. Yes. Well, look, Yogi is sixth all-time in points and number one all-time in assists, and he began and he ended his career winning Big Ten championships. And he might have been a role player, but a very important one at running that team, uh, Cody and Vicks last year, and Yogi's senior year, he was unbelievable. He was an unbelievable playmaker, both as a scorer. You're right. and, and, And so it's like two Big Ten titles and your top six in points and assists? Like... Yeah, I mean, he easily could have made my top eight. He's like a Kent Benson that, situation. That me. is really fair. I mean, I thought about Yogi for a minute, but in my head, I was like, Yogi doesn't come to Indiana if it's not for Cody. And so I'm still giving... Cody's aura over the program was bigger than Yogi's because Yogi came because of Cody. I just think Cody was such a seismic moment for the rebirth of Indiana basketball that it doesn't happen without him. Got and. It. That's why I considered him, and he was in my top eight. Okay, so I just want to hit on a few other guys. Yeah, that we didn't even make our top eight. It's disgusting. It is, and that includes our coach, Mike Woodson. Yeah, I thought about it for a heartbeat, but you look at the stats, he's certainly there in points. He's not there in steals. He he's not there in rebounds. He's not there in assists. His you know the three point ball wasn't there, so we don't know. Um, And he didn't win the national championship. And but he Isaiah, won. who was on both of his on his most winning team, did win a national championship. So that's why I didn't consider Woody. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like a, a, a deep dive, but also that he was Big Ten MVP in that incredible season where he came back from injury and they won the Big Ten championship. And I, I, I'm I'm somewhat doubtful that 81 team wins it all if Zeke and Landon Turner and Ray Tolbert and all those guys hadn't been influenced by their captain the year before. 
Uh, I'll just say as a triumvirate, mm-hmm. I did, even though I wanted to, I did not really consider Greg Graham, Alan Henderson, and Damon Bailey, even though all three are incredible. I mean, especially when you look at stats, when you look at Damon, like Greg Graham's senior year, his stats were off the charts. I mean, just yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. Damon Bailey, is it, you know, isn't Damon in the top 10 in scoring and assists? Five in assists, tied with Jamal Meeks. Nice. And eighth in points. Yeah, I think he are he and Yogi the only two uh, who are both like in the top eight top, of both. Top eight of both, I think so. Yeah, I'll maybe Alfred. Maybe Alfred is up there in uh, assists. Let's see what I got on Alfred. He was, um, yeah, no, Alfred was eleventh. Is eleventh in assists. Yep. Um, okay. So yeah, I think steals Damon and Yogi. Like Damon's production across the board, he was just a stat stuffer, good rebounder, steals guy, shot well. But I went back oh, wait. to sorry, sorry, another guy on my list is top eight in both of those. Who? AJ Guyton. Fourth in points, eight in assists. Okay, so AJ did not make my list. I did think about him for a second because of the the prodigious scoring numbers, mm-hmm. but the winning. The, the the fact that there was just no winning on any real level other than just some regular season success for sure. that discounted him for me. Yep. Same, same. Um, um, whereas at least Damon won big 10 championships and, you know, was, was there on a team that went to the elite eight and was number one team in the country. Um, well, then you, you just mentioned him and I, I looked enough into him to, to, to warrant mentioning him here was Henderson. Number one all time in boards and seventh all time in points, and a part of like two really great teams, and you know one Big Ten championship, get to the Final Four, uh, and unfortunately it was his knee that maybe cost all those guys a title, uh, but you know I think our special guest coming on later is gonna make. I would be surprised if he's not in our special guests, Mount Rush. Really, I just don't think you can put Henderson. He's so good, but he's not as good as Calber. Like, he just didn't have the impact. He's amazing. His stats are crazy. What, but Calbert was the best player of that era. But I, we have heard, and again, I bet it'll come up with our special guest, so I won't get too far into it, in terms of the intangibles of Henderson, what he did out on the court for his teammates that the, we laymen maybe couldn't fully appreciate. And then, look, we all know scoring is the most important thing. But he was the seventh most prolific scorer. In I know history. I know, and no, and, but- and and Calbert was not the seventh uh, a leading rebounder. rebounder or assist maker or or, or you know. So it's I know, like, and this how some much basketball purists, some basketball purists are going to not like this, but scoring means more. Like you know, I mean, look, you could do the same thing you just did for any statistical category, right? But if somebody's in the top five in steals, that doesn't equate to being the top five in points. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. points just matter more. Yeah. Um, but man, it, it was hard to keep Henderson off. We talked about Jimmy rail a little we bit. Did. Yeah. You I know, mean, his like, scoring numbers are crazy. Like it just like he's, I think McGinnis was at 29.9 for his one year. And then Rail's senior year, it was 29.8. Yeah. I, it's just stupid. The scoring was stupid. Yeah. The other one that I struggled with is I looked back at the 1940 championship team. Yeah. And I couldn't find like an Alfred like player or an Isaiah like player on that team. It seemed like it was, I mean, first of all, 
talked about eras. It's 82 years ago. Yeah. It was a different era of basketball. It was branches first, but there didn't seem to be a superstar on that team, the level of which we're talking about these other guys had. That's right. Like nobody has survived that team when like being honest, the NCAA a was just getting started. You know, it was just establishing itself. Uh, and and there's not somebody from that team that ever gets regularly mentioned or even infrequently mentioned as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And look, the other one that's kind of an incomplete. I don't know if you've got other people you want to discuss. I did toy with the idea of Trace, but. It's incomplete without knowing if the team wins this year. Well, I absolutely did that. And you did it. This is what kind of prompted this whole show, right? Which yes. The extrapolations you did, and I, I kind of did my own, not remembering exactly where you put it. But to me, it's like if if I project out, you know, him at basically 20 and 10 this season, he's all-time number one in, in rebounds fourth all-time in points, and first all-time in blocks, and and currently stands seventh all-time in field goal percentage. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about Alan Henderson being on the cusp of top eight, you know? Well, if Trace wins this year, he would have a win and better stats. So, like, how... but, But I still struggle with thinking that Trace supplants Alan Henderson in anything in Indiana lower... Even if they win this year, I just think Allen was. But I would use your argument back against you in in terms of impact, because for Trace, uh, well, what we hoped him showing up as a freshman would mean didn't pan out in large part because the previous coach didn't do a good job coaching basketball at Indiana University. But the fact that Trace has kept coming back and the more even even last year after he came back. He pointed, he pointed up to the, the banners and said that's why he's back. And when we talk to him this offseason, it's incredible the kind of leader he's become and what uh, IU means to him, what his legacy at IU means to him. And, and I think if he does get us a Big Ten championship, if he turns us into you know a, a top 10, top 15 program again by the time he leaves and, and that's able to sustain for some time afterwards – I think you could use your Cody argument on him for sure. Yes. I will say though, if I'm comparing Co- if I'm comparing trace and Allen, Allen Henderson was the primary offensive weapon. I believe on one Indiana team. Right. Trace has been the primary offensive weapon on four Indiana teams. Sure. It's easier for trace to get stats on the shitty teams that he's played for. than it was for Allen. When you had to share the ball with Calvert and Greg and Pat and Damon it, it was harder to get those stats. And even in the face of that, he's top 10 in both. Yeah, so that's the- why I kind of elevate Allen even more. And Allen, every team Allen played on at Indiana was a good team. Every right. team. And, and a couple of them were great. Well, and, and again, to use your own argument against you, because they're paying attention to Calvert and Damon and Greg and Evans later, that it's a little bit easier for him to have some room to operate down in the post. All right. All right. Let's get to it. Now the rubber meets the road. The, that's it. I don't have any other metaphors. That's the only one I had. That one was fine. Yeah, that worked. All right. Uh, why don't you go first? Give me, maybe start with what you think is your least controversial one. On the Mount Rushmore. On Mount Rushmore. Oh, 
I got to start, huh? Yeah, man. Or I'll start. I I, I got to go. I got to go with Steve Alford. Ding, ding, ding. I agree. I mean, when you you look at his productivity, his leadership, his toughness, his 898 free throw percentage, uh, the already previously mentioned 53% from three-point land, it's like, it's tough to say between him and Calbert uh, of the more modern era players who would be the all-time leader in points if, uh, well, no, it's not. It's very easy to say Alfred would absolutely have scored more points than Calbert Chaney if he'd had the three-pointer all four years. Yeah, I mean, he hit 107 three-pointers his senior year, the only year that he had the three-four. To put that in some perspective, that is number one all-time for any season at Indiana. It was the first year it was used, so the game was not a three-point game then. Right. Alfred hit 107 of them and shot it at 53% for the year, <laughs> which is stupid. We get excited if a guy shoots 38% th- these days. <laughs> yeah. But, but Ward, how about this? The difference between number one all time in threes made in a season and number two is 16. Alfred hit 107. James Blackman had 91. That difference between one and two is bigger than the difference between two and 12. (laughs) That's how much bigger he is on free throw percentage. The difference between his number one at 898 career three point free throw shooting and number two is a bigger discrepancy than two and 10. It's crazy. It's he is so far beyond the other shooters that played at Indiana. It's not close. His productivity is off the charts from a shooting perspective. Well, I'm not going to go so far as to say compared to everybody else ever, because when you go back to some guys we already mentioned um, that that they didn't have the three pointer at all either and known for being outside shooters and for filling it up. There's some guys like Jimmy Rail. Who, who very easily could have been in that conversation. And those guys played less games per season, too. That's true. But Steve Alford's career field goal percentage, career field goal percentage, and we know Steve Alford. He was small. It wasn't like he was getting a bunch of layups every game. He shot 53.2% for his career from the field. That is eighth all time at Indiana. And when you look at that list of who's on the top, it's four. It's big. It's big men. It's Thomas Bryant. It's Trace Jackson Davis. It's it's those Matt Nover. You know, it's not the Jimmy Rails. It's not guards. No, it's that's that's two percent less than Trace Jackson Davis, who's taken and he who has made one shot outside of 15 (laughs) feet in his entire career. Yeah, that that's so my point is, I do. I do believe that Alfred from a pure shooting perspective is head and shoulders above everyone else at Indiana. I the do Steph, believe that the Steph Curry of Indiana basketball. Yes. Then when you get into winning, the guy won a big 10 championship and a national championship. He also, and I didn't, again, this is where I discounted. Like I didn't count the 84 gold medal. I mean, I thought about it though. You know, I, I wrote it down with what, what else he did because, uh, 
when him and Coach Knight won that, and he was on that team with much controversy, but then proved Coach Wright with uh, Coach Knight right with what he did in those Olympics. You know, it it it's in the ether when you're deciding uh, who gets their face up on the rock. I also looked at his freshman year when, um, or I'm sorry, his sophomore year when they beat North Carolina, the number one team in the country, with Michael Jordan and went to the Elite Eight. So, like, he went to the Elite Eight and a Final Four and won a national championship in his basketball career. He he, I do believe if you extrapolate out he probably does set the all-time Big Ten record and beats Calvert. Now, it's oh, hard to he, say because... No, easily. He actually would... I think he would do that easily because the difference between him and Calvert, let me... This Isn't it fast. about 200 points? Um, do, do, do. Hold on. Steve's at 2,438 points. Yeah. I believe a, Calvert's one, like 26... About 175, 180. So he hit 100 threes in one year. If he hit 175 in three years, then that's then he's the all-time leading scorer. Yeah. So, yes, he would have been the all-time leading scorer. Also, 11th all-time in assists, second all-time in steals, you know, eighth best field goal percentage. It's just it's just stupid where, where he is. In, in And then when you add in the legacy, that's, that's what I'm going to say. That's the final component. You know, M- Mr. Indiana, Stevie basketball, the hair. This guy is an absolute legend. And I think, you know, certainly for those of us growing up in that time, you know, he he was to me the first superstar of Indiana basketball. I remember. And yeah. and he's so important to carrying on that tradition. You know, he's from Indiana. You know, he he. Uh, I'm sure he won Mr. Basketball. I, I didn't go back into yeah, high school he did. stuff, but he did. remembering. And and so he he has the whole package as far as you want that the golden son, the the prodigal son who actually he didn't have to return. He just went down the road from Newcastle and fulfilled every expectation, which were mighty, that were placed upon him. Yeah, exceeded them, I think you could say. I mean, he became the best. Yeah. So, all right, my turn. Your turn. I got to say, the other three, I think you can make arguments against. Um, I put Scott May on it. I put Scott May. I also put Scott May. You did. All right, good. Look, this was a victim, a little bit of what you talked about with just having too many people on the same team, because I was like, do you really put Scott ahead of Quinn? And do you put like the Kent Benson of it all that we just talked about, which makes me rethink things? But the bottom line is that the 75-76 teams are the two best teams, arguably. Most people wouldn't even argue it. They'd just say it. They're the two best teams in the history of Indiana University basketball. They're the last undefeated team. Well, it and, is, and, and I mean, that 76 team is largely, uh, and I love it, that people completely ignore what UCLA did for 15 years paying their players, that people are like the 76 team was the greatest basketball team of all time. And he was the best player on the best team. Now, what's interesting is, Look, he averaged 17.7 points for a career in three years, 6.6 rebounds. His senior year, he was 23.5 and 7.7 rebounds. He was a 51.3% field goal shooter for his career, which is awesome because the guy took a lot of jumpers. Um, But I could not get over these numbers. His overall record at Indiana was 86 and (laughs) 6. His record in the Big Ten in three years was 48 and two. 
I, I, he went 36 and 0 in the Big Ten his last two years, 86 and six over a three year period. That just did it for me. I, I, those are staggering winning numbers, and they won a Big Ten championship all three of those years. It's, it's a very easy argument to make as far as if you need a representative of those teams, which you absolutely do. He's got to be the one. And I base that as much on hearing my dad talk about those teams yeah. and other people being it's like they mention all of those guys. But Scott's always the one who's just he's mentioned first and just a little bit above. And look, if if because he started off kind of slow as a sophomore with scoring and stuff. So if you gave him a freshman year, uh, year uh, at saying 10 points a game and look and you could you could start to argue it. Well, like if you got to play a freshman, well, then by a sophomore year, he would have been averaging more. And that could have really like done more than this. But a very conservative estimate of 10 points a game as a freshman at 28 games. So giving him another 280 points that puts him up to 1873, which is eighth all time. You know, yeah, because that's then, what's and, tricky about Scott. Right. When you look, he's not at the top of any record books. Right. Right. That. But but again, this is where I valued the winning more than I think the other stuff. But by the way, I, I three years he played three Big Ten championships. The first year they didn't make the NCAA tournament because they lost to Michigan in the tiebreaker game to see who got into the tournament because they only took the conference winner. And then they went to that CCAT tournament and won it. Yep. You know, so they won that. Then the next year he gets injured. They go to the Elite Eight, win the Big Ten, go to the Elite Eight. Like the, the winning is off the charts. But now I go back and think, but Quinn Buckner played the year before and they won that year too. Yep. Well, and then Kent Benson in terms of the stats, right? Like his stats thing. But this is, and I guess I, I already touched on this, but the the legend, the legacy, and I think Quinn is right there and and Benson's right there behind Quinn. You know, it's just like 1A, 1B, 1C, but I think you have to spread it out. Like, I don't think either of us were going to put those guys as three of our four guys on Rushmore, but maybe if we'd watch those teams, we'd think different. Yeah, I mean, look, they're the best team of all time, so I would get it. All right, so we're agreed on our first two. Yeah, and just just a couple other things there where he got like, nine steals in a game uh may which is the most all time and you know along with quinn they won the 76 olympic gold which isn't talked about as much i didn't i don't i don't consider it i hear you on legacy but i don't consider it yeah and and i'm and i'm just looking at the stuff i wrote down and and look um and this is something about calbert too we didn't mention but ultimately for for legacy of iu and prestige and just to to declare it to the nation Scott May was the 1976 player of the year in the country. He won the Naismith Award. No, that absolutely that's fair to talk about. A hundred percent. So so both with him and Calbert, that is a very big uh feather in their cap to get on Mount Rushmore. Like, I totally oh, agree. Oh, I totally hey, by agree. The way, on that. They were the best player in the entire nation this season. Yeah. Um, and also he's just such a badass. I mean, even now when you see him around Bloomington, if you do, he just looks like Shaft. I mean, he's just a badass. Sunglasses, big man, scary dressed, dude. Dressed in black, he is. He is cool. He is. He is he cool. Is really cool. All right, my turn or your turn? It's my turn. Okay. Ooh, I think we're gonna disagree now. Well, when you want to talk about talent, you want to talk being a, a legend, and you want to talk about being a winner, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Isaiah Thomas. We agree. We do. We. Do, but I struggled on this one. 
Sure. Be- I mean, it ain't easy. No. All right. So give me your reasons why why he made like top four. I mean, I I think I I, I just hit it in the introduction. He checks those boxes. If if I said the four boxes were pure talent, championship, productivity, and legendary status, well, three out of the four, you, he, he's as good as anybody. You know, you could argue he's as good as any of. Well, any which other. which which one isn't he good? Productivity, uh, productivity, because, and because and, he wasn't there long enough. Yeah, and look, he had um he had the greatest assist season in Indiana history with 197. By the way, he has the first and third greatest seasons of assists one and three. Yeah. So, so you could say, yeah, well, uh, he was the best assist man that ever came through there. And with the, the, the best average uh, career average at 5.7. Yep. Also 2.2 steals per game. He had the second best steals in a season behind Oladipo's incredible defensive year. He's eighth all time in steals and 13th all time in assists and only played two seasons. <laughs> yeah. So like, and- you extrapolate that out, and he blows away every assist record and every steal record. It's not even close. Absolutely. And and he did it when it counted. You know, he really got that team rolling in the NCAA tournament, you know, and was making sure Landon Turner was where he was supposed to be. And as a result of his labors, he won Final Four MVP. Two Big Ten titles. Like, look, everybody talks about Woody coming back in his in that 1980 season, which, of course, they don't win the Big Ten if it wasn't for Woody. But they don't tread water to make it possible to get there if it's not for Isaiah and Butch Carter and others. But Isaiah came in and was very productive his freshman year. He's a career 53.4 field goal percentage shooter, which is also impressive because he was taking a lot of jump shots. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, your four categories explain why he's there because what he lacks in productivity only because he was only there for two years, he more than makes up for in winning and, and uh, legacy and, and pure talent. I mean, it's, I, I do think like when we're talking about pure talent, I do think it's Isaiah and George McGinnis above everyone else. I would put Walt Bellamy in the conversation. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Look, can I, can I, uh, well, no, you, it's your, your turn. I was just well, going to get into some other stuff. Okay, but this is the last spot for me. Yeah. This one was difficult. But I said winning matters. And when I looked at winning and productivity, Don Schlunt is on the Mount Rushmore. Me too. We agree. <laughs> four for four. What? <laughs> we don't agree on anything. <laughs> It must mean it's definitely not right. <laughs> I am shocked we agree. I really am. I never thought you would go with Don Schlund. Look, you give him 30 more games at 22 points per game, which is modest because he averaged, he had 17. And he had 23.3 for his career. Yeah, he went 17, 25, 24, and 26. So I modestly gave him 22 a game. Uh, for 30 more games. Okay. And that got him to 2,850. 
way above Calbert, 200 above Calbert, and and his rebounds at 860. If you gave him 30 more at nine rebounds a game, which again was modest because he he was a prolific rebounder, that would put him at 1130, which is 41 more boards than Allen Henderson. He would be number one all time in scoring and in boards. And oh by the way, he was a big man, so I don't think the three would have made much of a difference. But you know, at he, he would have been number one all time in both categories. Yeah, and by the way, enough ahead that Alfred wouldn't have caught him with the three-pointer for those three years either. He would have been yeah. enough ahead of Albert or uh, Alfred. Also, here's the other thing, that when you dig into Don Chalant, it's just incredible. Three-time All-American, three-time first-team All-Big Ten, averaged 23.3 points per game for his career, which is second all-time. Who's it second to? George McGinnis, who had the one year at 29, okay? So only four players in the history of Indiana have averaged more than 20 points a game for a career that played more than one season. And that's Archie Dees, Jimmy Rails, Walt Bellamy, Don Schlunt. Number one all-time in free throws made at 826. Alfred is two at like 500. 535. It's a ridiculous. Yeah, it did make me. one rebounds per game two Big Ten titles, and the 1953 National Championship. By the way, when you go back and look at it, I think you could easily make the argument that Schlunt gets the first spot on Mount Rushmore. If you're if you're taking those averages out, you know, like like look what I did for Bellamy. If I did the same thing for Bellamy, just he would have been third all time in points and first all time in boards by a huge margin. Um, but again, it's the about winning. points and, 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 and well, the winning. And winning. That's that's why Bellamy ultimately wasn't in in that conversation for me. But what, what, and it's a shame too because he clearly just didn't play on a good enough team. Exactly. And look, uh, and Dees was the other one where if you extrapolate this out, he's going to score 50 more points than Calvert and over 500 more rebounds than Henderson because Dees was averaging like 14 a game. Yeah, I mean, it's just the numbers are stupid. Now, what I did struggle with a little bit on Schlunt was the era thing that you talked about. Sure. So it looks like neither one of us really discounted the era that they played in, but clearly the era that Don Schlunt played in did not have the talent of the era that Alan Henderson played. Right. And that said, I couldn't discount it enough because of his raw stats and winning a national title. I just couldn't. And two Big Ten titles. His numbers staggered me when you really look at them. That, like you just said, they blow everybody away except for McGinnis. If McG- if you extrapolate McGinnis out to four years, well, McGinnis yeah. is, blows everybody away. Absolutely. But it's hard to do that after one season. But Don Schlunt, I mean, I, I the more I looked at it, I was like, not only I never would have thought that before I started looking at it, but not only is he on, I think he gets the first spot. Well, and this is where, if we're looking at our base criteria, uh, pure talent, well, he must have had that because of what he was able to do in the Big Ten. The championships, he had that. The productivity, he had that. But the legendary status, hopefully we're helping up that a little bit here today in our little corner of the world. But that is the one of the four where he's lacking, and I think that's because of recency bias. We're now at a point where relatively few Indiana fans were alive and were able to watch him play or, or even listen to him play.
I am shocked that we agree on these four. I thought for sure you would put Calvert on your Mount Rushmore. He's your favorite player of all time, and he is the number one scorer. I will say that of, if we talk about the guys that we considered in our top eight or nine, the one that I had the most problem with keeping off was Calvert. Because, because he won at the highest level you can win at without winning a national title. Like those teams won a shit ton of games, a shit ton and big 10 titles and legendary status uh, for those of our generation. And I think the generation before us who were, you know, our age when Calvert was doing it. And even to a certain degree, younger people are all much more familiar with Calvert because there's a recency bias. He played, uh, 35 more years recent than than Don Schlunt. So, right. of course, uh, almost everybody who's an IU fan today over the age of uh, 35, 40 is very familiar with Calvert, whereas you have to get up into your, your 70s, 80s to have like any kind of recollection of Don Schlunt. So I think there's a recency bias that I actively had to work against because when I woke up this morning and I just wanted to make it real simple on myself... Who are the four greatest legends? And I came up with Calbert, May, Zeke, and um, and uh, Alfred. And and I th- and I thought that would be it. But when I dug into it, I was with you. Schlunt was just so impressive in all those categories that I was like, well, the legendary thing. You know, he wasn't really interested in the NBA. It wasn't much of a thing then. He probably could make more money. You know, it being so, a real estate agent or something, doing anything. Right. Um, right. And so. So it was like, well, I, I can't deny this guy just because he's somewhat forgotten by history and and not to the degree of of that he his name is mentioned among the all time greats. Yeah. But it's always kind of a little bit further back because it's it's more like, well, I heard this guy was well, really and, great. and also Ward, we, we live in an era. You and I have lived in an era where everything is documented visually. Mm-hmm. You and I do not have a vision, and I can't even create one, of Don Schlunt playing basketball. I know how Calbert Cheney carried himself on the court. Mm -hmm. I know how Steve Alford did. I've seen enough color footage to know how Scott May carried himself on the court. You cannot get that good enough footage of Don Schlunt to have any real visceral attachment for his his image to live in your brain. So all you can go off of is stats and the record of the team. And when you do that, it's remarkable. The other one for me that was difficult was Quinn. I mean, I I went back and forth. I had Quinn on and Scott off for a while because I just hear every time we've talked to anybody of that era, Steve Green, Tom Abernathy, um, who else have we talked to? Kent Benson, you know, Jim all Cruz, of them. John Laskowski. Jim Cruz, Laz, exactly, all of them. They all talk about that. From the moment Quinn came on campus, he was the leader of the team. From his freshman year on, he was the leader. And so I just kept going back to, he was the leader of the best team of all time in the best era of all time. Doesn't that count more than seven points a game difference? You know what I mean? Yeah, and when I talk about the way Scott May is perceived by the Indiana fan base, it's the fan base. They like the guy who puts the ball in the basket above all things. We all do. You know, there's very few fans out there who don't prioritize that over all else. Yes. And and look, if, if it had been Quinn who'd gone out 
instead of Scott and they hadn't won, you know, but, but as it was, it was Scott who went out the, the guy and without the guy, they couldn't do it. And when the guy came back, they did do it. And whether that's fair or not, I think it's great that you point out what all those players said, or let's say a really, really educated, intelligent, firsthand account fan like Angelo Pizzo, yeah. who I'm sure we'll be hearing from and will say, it should have been Quinn, assholes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I talked to my dad. My dad talked so differently about both of them. Scott was just a, such a beast, a stud. But Quinn just was a dog and defensively Quinn. Also, we don't talk about that. Scott was not known for his defensive prowess. Quinn was. Yeah. Quinn would just shut the other team's point guard down. He was so strong and determined. So I struggle on the Quinn Scott um, conversation. All right. Let's bring in our special guest. We wanted to get an account from somebody who has skin in the game, somebody who has played for Indiana, someone who might've played with, with one of the people that we just talked about as being right on the cusp of a couple of the people on the cusp of Mount Rushmore. And so we wanted to bring this gentleman back. He is controversial. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the podcast live from his SUV as always. Oh, and he's gone. Please welcome Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he just hung up on us. Is that, I mean, like he, and if you, did you see what his iPhone is listed as? It's just looking like his arm rested on his keyboard. (laughs) It's like an A and 17 Qs. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Are you there? (laughs) Yes, sir. How are you? Before we get to the business at hand, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Um, Having a good summer here. Um a lot of volleyball on the docket. Got three girls that just kind of finished up a long, like a summer of lots of tournaments and trying to get a little decompressed going now that it just ended about two weeks ago. I, I do want to say, Ward, I'm not sure if you saw this news, but there is giant news in the Brian Evans family, the Evans family, a, a bittersweet congratulations, but I mean this wholeheartedly. Brian's oldest daughter, offered a scholarship by Michigan to play volleyball there, and she accepted. Michigan is an incredible school, incredible volleyball history, and having a daughter play high-end, you know, collegiate volleyball is such a cool thing, man. That's just got to – you've got to be beaming with pride. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yes, it's been a ton of fun to watch her, you know, receive all this attention, and she just announced this uh, commitment officially yesterday so and she and i gotta correct you though she's not my oldest so i have oh, a sorry, sorry i have a no that's fine i got a soon-to-be senior and then uh she's soon-to-be junior so got it uh the recruiting period for the the soon-to-be junior class started june 15th and um yeah she's got a lot of attention and it's just it's her thing man it's her show i'm here to we're just supporting her the best we can but she had some really fantastic schools that are that were really interested in her and she was locked in on Michigan from the very beginning. It's her, it's, it's her spot. So we're, uh, we're in love with it. We just spent the weekend in Ann Arbor and, 
and left with this offer in hand and she said yes so it's been a ton of fun so my my oldest um is in the middle of trying to make a decision too so she's looking at a bunch of different you know uh lower division one a couple d2 and nai schools and actually we're we're just starting to visit some of those schools now so it even though i say we've got a little bit a little bit of time to decompress uh we're on the road with her over the next couple of weeks, trying to visit some schools smaller, further away, and uh, trying to help her make a decision. But yeah, this one, this one came on fast, and uh, she picked Michigan. Have you come to to grips with that moment you'll be attending, say, her first game, and you have to slip on the maize and blue? Well, I, yes, yes, Ward, I. <laughs> I, I have, and I was in a place called the Godforsaken place called the M Den, which is their uh, like campus bookstore. Mm. I got to tell you, here, you know what really stood out to me the most over everything else. I mean, yes, the maize and blue. I'm, I mean, I do look good in navy. I've always known that, uh, but, the, but the 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 maize and blue that's different. That's different than wearing navy, right? Right. Um, <laughs> The f- football money is real money, guys. It's green and it's it's real. I, I can yeah. tell you that you go to their campus. And I don't know if you guys have ever spent any time there, but uh, that football team can finance a lot of things. And <laughs> their uh, their campus bookstore it doesn't remind me of ours at all. Right. And it just re- it reeks of football. I mean, the football uniforms have Jumpman on it. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I, it's a slightly well, different. I'm just, I'm One more time. You cut off. Hold on. There we go. You're back. Yeah, I gotcha. Go, go, go. No, no. You were saying you were excited. Oh, no. I just said, I, you know, I'm just, we're thrilled for the kid. It's, uh, you know, on her post yesterday and my wife posts on Instagram and Facebook and a lot of comments, Ward, were, Wow, I'm trying to picture Brian and Maze and Blue. So you weren't the first person to think of that. Um, thank, I got two you years. For, thank to, you for pointing to, that out, Brian. <laughs> I have two years to slide to. I got two years before that's going to happen. So I'm going to get used to it. I'm going to let. I'm going to digest it here for about the next month before I ever think about putting on any gear. All right, all right. Well, let's get to what's important here. We wanted to bring on an expert. Uh, we wanted to bring on somebody with deep knowledge of Indiana University history, with a deep connection, somebody whose opinion we value and trust to talk he, about Mount Rushmore, and he but, was not available. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we went with Brian Evans. Listen, you did not get to hear the first part of our conversation. Ward and I just broke down a, like a top eight, top nine list of who we considered, and then we revealed our Mount Rushmore which we had not discussed prior. And it turns out for the first time ever, Ward and I agree completely on the four members of the Mount Rushmore. Would you like to hear what we decided first before you reveal yours? I I think, I don't, I think that's a rhetorical question. This is your program and we're going to do what you want to have done. And that's fine. (laughs) We can do it your way, Uh, but it wasn't rhetorical. Uh, go ahead um, go ahead ward i mean i it no, wasn't no. rhetorical i, I, I was gonna fan. say i was gonna say like let's do it the other way let's let's have brian go first okay go one by one 
tell us who's on your Mount Rushmore and give us a brief explanation as to why. Okay, I got a better idea. How about we do, since you guys have finally agreed on something, how about I do one, and then you guys say whether or not that person, and I'll give an explanation. You guys say if that's one of yours. Okay. And then we'll just go back. We'll just serve and volley. Yeah, I mean, no, that might be great. kind of fun and see if we yeah. all agree. Serve right. and volley. He's in, he's in volleyball form. Okay. <laughs> all right, go Time for out. it. What, what I got one more thing, though, before we go on. Huh. What, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, Somebody with deep knowledge of, of Indiana basketball. Yeah. And I'm trying to think who in the hell else would not be available. That would be better to talk to than me. I, I love this stuff. I, I'm, I mean, I love it more than you guys. You guys just have more time to talk about it than me. Yeah. You love That's it fair. so much that you're talking to us while driving your car. Uh, maybe it's because I'm wearing maize and blue and I didn't want everybody to see. Uh, well, you've always good. looked the, the line of the podcast is I've always looked. I look good in Navy. I've always known that that is the line of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. With the, off, Brian. With the who, first, but, no, these aren't these aren't in order. Are these in order? I mean, how, how do we want to rank? How do you want me no, to do it? However you want to do you it. Didn't rank it. You don't you don't okay. put, you know, Lincoln in front of Washington. They're just all up there together. Well said. Well said. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with Scott May. We agree. We agree okay. that, but but we did debate this one, and and the more we talked about it, the less sure I am about it. Because I want to ask you this. Okay. Obviously, best player on the best team, right? But. When you look at what Kent Benson did on those teams and what Quinn Buckner did for all four years that Quinn played, and he was, we've been told by everyone, the unquestioned leader of that team. How is it, Brian, that you are so confident? Why does Scott get the nod over those two guys? Uh, to me, this doesn't even, this isn't a really easy one for, for a lot of those same reasons. I'm just going to take the other side of it. Um, Everybody wants more than one of those guys on this Mount Rushmore, and that's just not possible. So am I giving away um, my other picks? Yes, I am. He's the only <laughs> 1976 guy on this team, Yeah, and I can defend it real easy. People love Quinn. Uh, I love Quinn as a player. I, I didn't, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I, you know, watched all the games and, you know, black and white. I was three years old, okay, for crying out loud. Um, but – Here's the thing when in those, on those teams, they had great defense, right? They were going to lock down everybody. Quinn was the leader of that, but Bobby Wilkerson might've been the best defender on that team. So yeah, I know that Quinn was a glue guy and, and, and Quinn was a, you know, kind of a captain's voice in a huddle. Um, but you know, you got to score the basketball guys. And <laughs> if you don't make baskets, you don't win those titles. They, they did have a great defensive unit. Like they were just incredible. Right. Um, Scott may was their best score and you can rely on him. He's going to get you buckets. He's going to get you 20. I would argue you've heard a lot of people say the 75 team was the better team. They were the better team because they had better scoring because they had Steve green yeah. period end of story. And so without Steve Green, Scott May got that much more valuable. He was the MVP for all the right reasons, and he and, he, and you could go to him and get buckets. Um, I would argue that Quinn Buckner was a good player because he, go he got to give the ball to Scott May. <laughs> uh, and then Ken Benson. Benson. I mean, just, 
Yeah, what about Benson, that? You know what? Just a just an incredible force. I mean, he's just such a big body, and a, and a, I mean, come on, I'm not talking down Kent Benson. He's a great, great player. Um, I don't know that he always had to play great for them to win games. Again, I haven't studied all of the film from that team. I just think the unquestioned. The other thing about Quinn is Scott was so quiet. Scott's a quiet man. He he's very quiet today, uh, which opened up an opportunity and a presence for Quinn to let. Quinn got to be that that mouthpiece of that team, and a lot of that was because their best player, hands down, didn't have a lot to say. He just went out and balled out. So um, it's it's Scott May, no question. All right. Well, I love look, we are talking to the twelfth all time leading scorer at Indiana University, so there's got to be a scorer's bias on this. That's okay. As fans, we have a scorer's bias as well. We we talked about this, uh, Evans, before you came on. Like, not all categories of of stats are equal. Like the number one steals guy does not get the same press as the number one points guy because you have to score points to win the game. You don't need to steal the ball to win the game. And and so points do matter more. They just do, right? Oh, yeah. And he and he was more than that. Uh, I, but I do think the fact that he's, he's incredibly uh, quiet, some would even say shy, um, that, that means that that role that, that maybe that nine point a game point guard score that couldn't shoot the basketball can, can get talked about in the MVP, you know, conversation yeah. of that team. And part of, I, and I think too, and this isn't taking a swipe at Quinn Buckner by any means, cause he was a great leader. And, and because of that, he had a 10 or 12 year pro career. Um, he just, he, he got to be the captain of the team, Bob Knight. Every, he talked to everybody about Quinn being the best leader of ever had, and I think that 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 elevates Quinn in a lot of people's mind because they love, they revere Coach Knight so much, and they hear Coach Knight say who they think is this great leader. When he says Quinn Buckner's the best leader he ever had, everyone's like, ooh, ooh, that's amazing. <laughs> can't yeah, shoot. That's fair. You know, can't shoot. Fair. Period. <laughs> can't shoot. Okay. All right. Who, who you got next? Next on my list, um, Steve Alford. Yes. We, we also have Steve Alford. Please uh, explain to us why you put Steve on there. Steve Alford is Indiana basketball. He's, he's the Mr. Basketball out of Newcastle. Um, had all the pressure. He was Damon Bailey before Damon Bailey. Just came in with all the pressure on him, the bullseye. And, guys, that's not just a bullseye. That's Bob Knight's bullseye, too. You got, I mean, having played there, I'm telling you, that you want to talk about additional pressure uh, to be a coach's son and a great player at a high school and go play for Coach Knight. Um, <laughs> the deck's almost stacked against you in a lot of ways, and I think you guys understand what I'm saying. Uh, that's yeah. a that's a tough road to hoe, and for Steve to come in now. And I was a kid and and really just knew the roster up, down, and sideways, heights and weights, and hometowns and scoring averages so those were the like primary years of me just being glued to the tv and and steve was just the all-time best so automatic um if if he was open it was in i mean the 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 tough part for him was trying to get open not being the the quickest maybe most athletic player um in that offense but the guy could just he could outshoot anybody just perfect from the line um there's just and then storybook ending you know it's what damon did in high school to have all that pressure and lead your team to the title uh, for, for Steve to take that 87 team, which was not loaded by today's standards or any other standards 
and to put him on his back and go win a national championship. Um, he, you know, start carving his, his face in stone because he's on there. You know, so many things you brought up that like Ward and I did not talk about, but it's so true. Like that 87 team, I mean, Dean Garrett was the most successful player professionally on that team. And that was after like playing internationally and bouncing around, but there was no NBA star on that team. Syracuse had what three, three. or four long-term NBA guys. Coleman was a star. Cycli played for a long time. Sherman Douglas had a long career. Like those guys played a long time. And Alfred led that team to just a staggering uh, success. And I love what you said about he is Indiana basketball. It is true that like if you did the whole test of if Indiana basketball was an entry in the encyclopedia, whose picture would be there? It's Steve Alfred. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. By the way, how about this stat, Evans? We were looking at, at Alfred's stats. Alfred had one year of the three-pointer his last year, right? His senior year. <laughs> I know this stat, dude. Come on. You know what percentage he shot that year from three? Uh, 52, something 50, like that. 53? You know how many he made? Insane. <laughs> you know how many he made? Like 107 or something like that? You nailed it. Exactly. 107. <laughs> Do you know what number two all-time is? No. 91. He hit 107 wow. in the first year. Number two was James Blackman at 91. The difference between Alfred and James at one and two is a bigger difference than between two and 12 on the list. Yeah. I mean, 53% from three. You're a three-point hey guys, shooter. And by the way, I'm not – hey, hold on. I mean, I'm not – I didn't Google this. That, I mean, let's talk for a minute. Let's take a, a moment to acknowledge my knowledge of Indiana basketball. I'm an almanac. I know how many he made, but you know why I know how many? Because I was a kid cheering for him like crazy. I, I could not wait for the three-point line once they announced it. Yeah. And, I mean, I was yeah. talking trash to my buddies on how how this guy's just going to destroy college basketball. He made 107. He won the national championship. And I always kept an eyeball on that thinking, how many would he have made if he had four years to do it? Would have been just unbelievable. And, by the way, it's not lost on me, the, the changes in the game. Right. When you make 107 in the first year of the three-point shot, this is what you cannot measure. With Bob Knight on the sideline hating the three-point shot, you have no <laughs> idea how big of a deal that is. You have no idea. That's against the guy that didn't want it to exist, and he shot 53% from the line. That is absolute insanity. Well, um, and, and, you know, we made this argument and, and we don't want to have you show your hand here in terms of any future players on your Mount Rushmore, uh, but that there is no doubt that Steve Alford would be the number one all-time leading scorer at IU and in Big Ten history if he'd had it for his entire career. No, yeah, yeah, 100%, guys. There's, that's why he's on there. That's why he's on there. I agree. He's, he was my idol as a kid, so, I mean, that's – He's my he's probably my first pick. I know everybody goes crazy about the undefeated team. If if I was drafting these guys, he would have gone number one. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Two for two here. I, I feel good like about we're it. about to have some disagreement though. Let's do it. All right. Number three. Number three is the, the guy that came closest to not making it on my list. Okay. Okay. The the absolute closest. And we'll, we can debate the hell out of this. This is going to be fun. I've got plenty of time carved out for this. <laughs> Isaiah. 
No, we got him. We three agree. Three for three. Yeah, are you are I you dis, are you disappointed that we're agreeing with you? <laughs> no, I'm just. I know. I knew he was going to be on your list. I just. Oh. I'm just trying to tell you this was the closest guy to not making my list. Yeah, that's that's fair. What what is it about him? Is it just the fact that he only played two years? Does that weigh for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, he was really close because I just, I want guys that were there, and I, and I think the longer you're there, the greater impact you had. He's the exception to that because of what he did in the short period of time, and just, you, you guys know the, the drill. It was a year that they weren't all that great. They were young. They were, um, you know. Coach, coach and, and Isaiah locked horns. Everybody knows this just because the, the brand of basketball style didn't fit into Coach Knight's quite like he likes it to. Maybe he didn't control the game quite like he wanted to control it from the sidelines. And then he finally, you know, coach said, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I want to win a title. I got this guy. I got to let him play basketball and, and, and just kind of play it a little more his way than my way. And, and coach was able to do that. Um, yeah, only because he was there two years is he the closest to not being on the list. But what he did in those two years puts him on the on the side of the mountain. Well, and and look, we talked at the top of the program and and sort of put it into four categories of consideration of pure talent, championships, productivity, and legendary status. And only because he was just there for two years was Isaiah's productivity overall not. Uh, up to snuff with a lot of other players but in those two seasons it, it was quite remarkable and if extrapolated out over four he'd certainly be atop uh, many of the all-time categories and then the other three of talent championships and legendary status he's he's in the argument with anybody you want to name yeah and I, I think on top of that you made the comment a good comment about Steve but what if they, he'd be the all-time leading scorer if there was a three-point line, which is a big if, and you can't, you know, you, you don't get to add those points, right? Right. Uh, but if this guy played for four years, which he did not, he would have uh, far and away been the number one assist and steals guy and would still be a number one in both those categories, in my opinion. You're absolutely right, and I don't think it would be close. I mean, even if I you agree. extrapolate everybody else out to four years, it would not be close. He was so ahead of everybody in averaging of assists and averaging of steals. You're right. And, you know, that was his first two years. He was just getting better. I mean, he what he turned into the next couple of years is one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time. Well, here's I got an interesting question to throw at you guys. Because um, I think this is impossible to do, but I want to ask you guys. If he didn't play in the NBA, if he would have torn his Achilles in 81, the summer of 81, would he be on this list? You know, Ward and I went back and forth about this. When I did my list, I tried to discount everything that wasn't just what they did at Indiana. But I don't know if it's even possible. Like Ward's point is, I know who Isaiah is, and I have a connection to Isaiah because in large part of what he did with the Pistons. So it's I, I do think he still belongs on the list just based on two years at Indiana incredible steals, assists guy, and was the best player on a national championship team and won two Big Ten uh, championships. But it is a really interesting point of can you separate the legacy after from what they did at Indiana? Right. Because his is the best. I mean, his is the best pro career of any Indiana player. 
it's not even close, in my opinion. George McGinnis, probably number two, but it's Isaiah. And so it's hard, especially for me as a kid, it's hard to not factor that in. And that name and that smile and everything he meant to that program, it's, you can't do it, but he's in either way. I, I do want to point out, because this didn't come up earlier in terms of we talked about McGinnis. And when you talk about Walt Bellamy, who is a Hall of Fame NBA player, as a rookie, he averaged 31 and 19. In the and, NBA? In the NBA. And he was the NBA Rookie of the Year, along being with the number one draft pick. So when, when you know, I was, I was separating into these categories early on in the process of pure talent. And I think Bellamy belongs in that conversation with those other two. Yeah, I, that's so hard, man. I'm I am the worst. I've told you guys this. I was asked. I, I I can't remember who it was. Hamill or somebody was ranking players. Yeah, Hutchins did a movie. I'm terrible when it comes to um, modern basketball versus whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. The old guys. Right. I'm the worst. I I just can't do it. I. I can do it like when it's baseball, you know, with Babe Ruth and Aaron and, and some of the Willie Mays, some of the big names. I have a hard time because basketball looks so much different now. I just and when it's players that I've never seen, you're just looking at their stats. And I, you know, I, I basketball was young. I mean, it was still a baby back then, and and it's so much different now. It's just hard for me to do that. Yeah. Well. That sets the stage for what will definitely be disagreement with our fourth and your fourth on Mount Rushmore. Who is your you think fourth? We're... Oh, oh no. I know. I you would guys... bet. I would bet everything. Oh, we, we... oh no! So we don't have the same one. You, you guys, I'm, I am, I'm blown away. I, yeah, I, 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 you're telling you basically. You just told me that you're gonna go with some, some old, old guy. Guys, I'm just going to tell you something right now. There is no 6'8 player from back in the day that I would not take down into the post and abuse. I would take him down to the torture chamber and abuse him. And I can't – I could not score in the lane in the Big Ten. You guys I, – I, you know what? Let's just take a break and you guys make a decision if you want to change your list. <laughs> Why don't you convince us? Because I tell you, the guy you're going to mention is the guy I want on that list more than anybody, but I could not do Wait, it. but Ward, you thought it was going to be someone else. You and no, I disagreed on who we thought Evans would have on the list. Oh, the guy I think he's about to name – is is uh, I, I did we because there's only one person I can think of he's gonna name. You Calvert. said Calvert. It's Calvert. Yeah, yeah, but you said you yeah. thought it was gonna be Allen. No, I thought he was gonna say some stuff about how Allen was great with the intangibles if we brought it up. But I had no doubt Brian would have. Oh, Calvert okay. I on thought you list. said Allen, and I thought it was for sure that he would put Calvert on. All right, convince us that it's Calvert. Well, well, now I'm worried that I just talk to people that don't have a very good basketball <laughs> IQ. It makes it tough. It you makes knew it that tough. already. I'm trying to think of where to start. I, no, I didn't. I thought we had the same exact list. I, I, as we were talking, I thought we had the same list. I really did. Well, we're I close. held him out. I held him out to the end. Uh, he, again, I was closer to taking Isaiah off than I was Calvert. Calvert and, was both Ward and I's fifth guy. Like that was the guy that we would put on if we both didn't agree on the fourth guy. When I when I woke up this morning, Calvert was on the list. Don't give me that shit. So <laughs> <laughs> this came down to the 
But I, you kind of ruined it for me because I was going to – my next uh, uh, piece, like conversation piece was, okay, let's go to let's go to the fifth guy, and you just told me that it was Coward. So I can only imagine – can you please un- unveil your, your fourth guy for me? So then we and, could – I think look, I'd have more fun arguing it. This was a shock to both of us that neither of us suspected the other one were going to come up with this guy. But because of his statistics, which are bonkers numbers – and that he won a championship, we both went with Don Schlunt. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Is but that Evans? That... Evans, do you know Schlunt's statistics? Yes. Come on, guys. I've already proven that I know the stats. I you mean, guys were still running around in diapers when I was. I knew these stats. Stop. They it. they are staggering. I mean, they are three time yeah. All American, three time First Team All Big Ten. 2,192 points, average 23.3 for a career, uh, number seventh all-time in rebounds, number one all-time in free throws made, a national title, two Big Ten titles, average 9.1 rebounds per game for his career. I mean, they hey, are and, staggering. And look, I have time. I've carved out time. Not that much time. I said I know the stats, and then you proceeded to read me all the friggin' stats. But I look, know the stats. Here's the stats you probably don't know, is if you gave oh. him 34, 30 more games, because he only played 94 games, if you gave right. him 30 more games and you conservatively gave him 22 more points a game and nine more rebounds a game, he'd be number one all-time in points by over 200 and number one all-time in rebounds by 41 over Allen. Okay. <laughs> and he won a title. So wait. So is your argument, Evans, that the game was just significantly different? That that those guys just don't hold a candle to everybody from 1975 and on, basically. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think that's fair to say 75. I don't know. You know what, guys? I don't know what the cutoff is from when it was just like one six eight guy who might as well have been seven five. Playing against a bunch of little squirts at the hyper. I don't know when it changed. I, I don't know what year it changed. I don't know if it was a changeover, like one year, and all, all of a sudden it became a t- uh, just a group of athletes. I mean, the Big Ten was. I, I don't know. Were there ten teams in the Big Ten then? Or was it was it five teams? I don't know. All I know is a six eight. They just used to run down the court. The game was so much different. I don't want Don Schlunt's, you know, grandkids and great grandkids. You know, you know. TP in my house tonight. I, I'm not interested in that. I just cannot look at those stats and look at what I saw in the, the little bit of film that I saw and saw a six, eight guy towering over people. I've never said, I've never heard anyone say, Oh my God, he was before his time. You should have seen him. He could run like a deer and jump like, you know, David Thompson never heard anyone say any of those things. I, I think okay. they used to run down the court. The game was different. They'd, chuck, they'd throw the ball into him. They'd lob it into him. He's four inches taller, five inches taller than anyone guarding him. He'd catch and turn and drop it in. I, I never heard anyone say Don Schlunk could shoot it from anywhere. I mean, if you didn't get a hand in Don Schlunk's face, it's, it's game over. I never heard anyone say anything <laughs> like that ever. Fair. That's very that's very fair. And, and look, I'm glad we're hearing the car- counter argument to this from somebody who people's uh, they think a lot more of your opinion than ours. And now I want you to speak about why Calvert absolutely should have his name carved in stone. Okay. Um, 
I didn't really put anything together. So I'm freestyling. Yeah. Uh, and I also love this guy too. So I can also, I can talk about, you know, locker room stuff, which is, which is great, but he's a lot more like Scott May to be real honest with you. He didn't, he didn't have that big booming voice. And it, what I, no one's ever said, you know, it was a great leader, Calvert. Um, he just laced them up, went out there and got it done. Just shot a ridiculous percentage. And I saw this firsthand. So it's easier for me, right guys. I, and I got to go back. I know it's a good argument you know, between him and Schlunt because you could throw all those stats at the thing. Um, I just know this was modern basketball and I saw the other team game planning to stop this guy. Like that's what, I mean, they had other guys to worry about, but every game you, we get to center circle. I, I saw the confusion. I've told, we've talked enough, but maybe we have new listeners now. Hopefully you guys are growing your, your audience base. Well, I, I used to we, scream we lose, for this guy. We lose, we lose a lot of listeners after we have you on, and then we have to gain them back. Fair enough. We're, we're Fair just going to advertise this one as having a special guest who will remain nameless. <laughs> I, hey, I understand that. I, I, I get a lot of that at home as well. It makes sense. So, you know, I, I screamed for this guy like crazy. That's what got me on the court. Coach, you, you know the story. He said, hey, if I was you, I would go out, and all I would do is try to rebound the basketball – because I need more rebounding, and try to get Calvert open. Set screens for Calvert. He goes, because guess what, Brian? And you screen for Calvert. His man is going to fight over the screen and, and and follow him, and the guy guarding you is going to go with him too. And you're going to be standing there alone by yourself. So if I were you, I would screen for Calvert. And I did. <laughs> but, I'm, but through doing that, what I saw was the other team game planning and, you know, stressing out about guarding him and staying in between him and the basket. And then he proceeded to shoot 56% from the field. I mean, we had so many big games, you guys, where we weren't playing against, you know, uh, a bunch of five, seven little attorney looking guys like Don Schlunt did. And we were playing against the fab five and, you know, Chris Weber and, Jalen, all these guys, they wanted nothing more than to beat us. And he'd come out of the game and be 11 for 13, mm. 12 of 15. That's insane. That's like when I said Steve Alford's shooting percentages were insane. Calvert was insane. He just yeah. was. He, you know, and free throws. It's not like he shot 95%. He was 80-something. And, you know, rebounding. He, you know, he, he, was a, he was just a quintessential wing player. So I don't know if any other stats jump off he. You know, the, the deep ball wasn't shot in that time. You know, he was a slasher and, and coach had other guys shooting threes. Calvert was a proficient three point shooter. He didn't he shot. The, the, he the shot game has 40, changed so much. He yeah. shot 43.8% from the three point line for his career. The volume, but he didn't do it. I mean, he was. No, he, he shot 338. Yeah, yeah. Three, yeah, 338 threes yeah. for a career. He averaged. Yeah, right. About, you know, guys, taking about 90 a year. You know, the game changed so much. I mean, Rod Wilmot shot that many, you know. It's like, right. really? You know, <laughs> you, you know, the game just changed so much. It's not even fair to take a swipe at Rod. I like Rod. That, that my point is, get names that very few Hoosiers would even remember shot way more threes than Calvert. Calvert was going to kill teams and break their back from the baseline and, you know, cutting into the lane. I could make a better argument that he didn't have to go out there. I, it is remarkable that Calvert shot, like you said, 56% yeah. 
from the field for his entire career. That for a wing player is really unheard of. It's I mean, above, that is, it is it's above trace. It's just a notch above trace. I mean, that is crazy, crazy. And, and, and let me and let me put an asterisk on that. Trace doesn't shoot. So, OK, move on. <laughs> well, OK, so what because when we're looking at our categories of of pure talent, championships, productivity, legendary status, it's like, well, Calbert does well in all the categories because he's got Big Ten championships, including a 17 in one season, which was absolutely insane. And I think there is in the way you would argument the the recency bias is valid because of how. Uh, much the game evolved in, say, the 30 years between Don Schlunt and Calbert Chaney coming to Bloomington. But how much, when we're looking back at this, and it's like if Allen doesn't blow out his knee, if Duke yeah. doesn't pay off the refs and Calbert wins that banner, <laughs> I mean, then, then 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 he's in the conversation for, for number one all time. He is already, but, like, it, it's almost hard to argue against it. It's a tough argument. You, you guys know how it is. It's like it. Barkley's always going to be championshipless. You know, there's there's certain just amazing players that didn't. It just didn't happen for them. It can't. You can't discredit their entire career um, because. It, I mean, I think about the game now and how it's evolved and these guys hopping around trying to chase a championship. And you know, if they don't like, if the coach yells at them, they demand a trade. I mean, it's gotten sickening lately, right? Um, yeah. And a guy like you know, and Barkley did change teams towards the end of his career, but. The bottom line is you could you could never win one and be Reggie Miller. That's probably the best, and just be as loyal as the day is long, and that's friggin' awesome for a fan base. So, I, you know, with Calvert, it's it goes like this: Allen tears up his knee, so he doesn't win it, right? Okay, that it is what it is. I, I would I would say this: um, I don't Don Schlant. What team is he on the 50, 53. What, 53. 53. Um Well, I'd love to see yeah, them the play the I love to see them play against the 93 Hoosiers and winner gets to be on the side of the mountain because that ain't going to be close. I got to say, you're very persuasive. You're yeah. very persuasive. And it does make me, It. I mean, I love Calbert so much. It killed me not to put him on. I was totally moved by the overwhelming stats of Schlunt and the national championship. That you can't so guys, the national championship. I mean, who do they play against? I mean, th that's the best way to that's the best way to solve that one. Flip that coin. Go watch the fifty-three Hoosiers, then watch the ninety-three, and then try to factor in your head who's going to win that game. And and by the way, um, I we had a lot of guys I think to guard six eight Donchlant. I would like to take a a crack at it myself um, <laughs> as a, as a small forward, I'd like to match up against the, the great Dunchlunt. Uh, now, now listen to me. Now I'm, now I'm attacking our own great yeah, players. Now you're you going guys, You've made it personal. Schlunt, what did Schlunt ever do? To you? <laughs> um, all right. So who do you, who's your fifth? Who is your fifth? Who does not make the list that you were debating with Isaiah on? You know, I don't have my guy. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't. I don't think I have my guy. I didn't put enough thought. I didn't put enough time into it. Um, I, I you thought know you what? would I, say it's Alan. Not Don <laughs> I thought. I thought you would say Allen. I really thought 
because we've had several conversations where you talk about how good Allen was when Allen was right. And you just have such reverence for his game and what he could bring to the table. And, and look, at, at one point, he was the only Hoosier who ranked in the top five in scoring, rebounding, blocks, and steals. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, what, is he way up there for you? I, you know, I, I I don't think he listens to you guys. I, I don't think I have to say it's him. I, you know I love him. You did, yeah. We've obviously talked a lot about him. I, I don't know about that. I, I, I think um, – those stats he did it were, were current, right? Against great a great competition and all that kind of stuff. It would probably it'd be really hard not to think of really hard about George, about Ooh. Bellamy, and mm-hmm. about Allen and about Quinn. Probably Buck probably Benson more than Benson. Quinn for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say Benson, Henderson, Bellamy, and uh But wait a minute, Bellamy wait wait a minute, wait a minute. Bellamy is largely the same argument as Schlunt. I mean, well, here's what I would say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But if you put Bellamy, I think he's probably a lot like Allen. I, you know, just playing in completely different eras. I, I okay. at least well, well, because Bellamy I haven't seen him play, guys. I can't. I'm telling you, I suck. Do a little YouTube video. Than the old guys. I I want to just. There's not a lot of footage of Bellamy I found on YouTube, but what I did find, he is, to that definition you put out earlier, ahead of his time. He's 6'11", he runs like a deer, he he jumps through the roof, and he truly seemed to be way far ahead of everybody else on the court in the brief old grainy footage that's available. Not allowed to dunk, all that kind of stuff makes it so much different to watch. What if you took Allen out? And you inserted Walt Bellamy into our lineup in you know '93, and you gave him to Coach Knight, and you said, "Okay, now you have this guy." I think he was a lot more athletic than Allen. That would be the the knock against Allen was he you know wasn't super athletic, springy like some of these guys. You don't have to be, you don't have to be. But if, if Walt Bellamy was, I mean, it's, it's this is where it gets hard. I, I didn't have any trouble with the first four. Mm. I would probably have a lot more trouble with the fifth guy on the mountain. All right, I want to give you this scenario to stir up the controversy with our listeners. There's a kid on our team. He's coming back for his senior oh, year. I mean, he's never. This is look, 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 are, look. Just, don't even. I, this is going to be brutal. This yeah. is going to be brutal. If Trace Jackson Davis continues on his his path that we've seen him on for three years, there's a very good chance he finishes top four, top three all time in scoring, first all time in boards, first all time in blocks. He's top 10 in field goal percentage. And and what if he does all that and he wins a Big Ten championship? Where is he in your in your pantheon? You know, I'd have to have time. There were so many ifs there that I, I got to process all the ifs. They're, they're um, not really ifs. If he just no. averages next year what he did this year, he's top no, Your four. first word was an if. You just, the first word out of your mouth there's not, was if. In all likelihood, when he does these things, he will be top three or four in scoring, number one in re- rebounds, number one in blocks. Yeah. How many games? Well, I've I've I've, I've extrapolated for that, right? Like it's it's going to be the He'll same. He'll end as, up as as probably one top five all time in games played for Indiana. 
but but yeah. on par with a lot of the other players we've talked about. Not the old old time guys. Yeah, um, not as many games as some of your teammates because we don't have many post game postseason games. Very true. Well, I would. I would. That's a. That's a. I'm glad you started my argument for me. Um, yeah, that's. There's just no. There, there's just no postseason success. There's no even postseason Big Ten tournament, which none of us used to have. There's no success there other than this last season. But who who did he have helping him? Nobody nobody from the coaching standpoint, and not much talent around him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. It's a fair. I gotta probably think about it a little bit. How I want to answer that because I because I want to be hyped. I, I like what you're doing here to me. You got me down in the torture chamber right now. Yeah, he's, and, he's, um, he's working you. Um, let me let me tweak it slightly because you mentioned Big George. If we tweaked the Mount Rushmore, because what what we didn't talk to you about that Ward and I spent some time on you do have to like in your mind set the parameters for what does it mean to be on Mount Rushmore? And I think what we all kind of came up with was the most meaningful players at Indiana university in their time at Indiana. But if you tweaked it to say who were the best players at Indiana, I think we're all in agreement. George McGinnis is on that list, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the MVP of the NBA. I mean, Isaiah was never an MVP. I mean, big George was the MVP of the league. Um, not of the yeah, NBA, I, of the ABA. ABA. Are, are you sure the first year of the crossover he wasn't the MVP? Uh, I'm pretty darn sure. I'll I'll I'll, I'll have our assistant look it up right but, now. But but regardless, <laughs> but regardless, I agree with you. I mean, he is the best player that has ever played at Indiana. He averaged 30 and 15. Yeah, I mean, right. but I do put Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah is a top 50 NBA player of all time with back-to-back champions championships in the era of magic bird and Jordan. Like yeah. Isaiah's on that list for best player. Um, you, okay. Just Don uh, Schlunt just... would not be on my list. If we were talking <laughs> most talented, best player. Okay. He was the ABA MVP in 75. And then he went to the NBA in 76 and he was an all-star and all NBA first team, but he did not win wow. the NBA MVP. But all NBA first team. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which he did three times. So, oh, my. I mean, oh, McGinnis is. No, no. He's three-time all-star, one-time first team, one-time all right. second but team. McGinnis is the most talented player that's probably ever played in Indiana. Right, Brian? You take, yeah, when you, yeah, when you take away, you know, oh, he only played this many years. I mean, Schlunt only played three years because you weren't allowed to play four years. No, I mean, no. actually, Schlunt played four because of the Korean War. The Korean War happened in 50, so they allowed freshmen to play to make up for the fact that upperclassmen were away at the war. Guys, I know it's a different era, and it includes the ABA. Big George averaged 20 points and 11 rebounds, four assists in his pro career, and... Oh, hold on. I just had Bellamy, but I lost him. Bellamy averaged 21 and 13. Yeah. yeah just yeah. And, and just to give Bellamy his due, because I think once you get uh, pre-mid-70s, uh, Indiana fans' memories, well, uh, most of us weren't even close to being alive. And 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 these guys are are truly all time great basketball players. Like Bellamy should just always be getting his name circulated in these conversations. 
I I gotta say mm-hmm. it takes a big yeah. man to admit when he's wrong. And I think I'm wrong on Don Schlunt. I think Evans has convinced me that Calvert belongs on Mount Rushmore. I'm going to tell the workers to stop chiseling Schlunt's nose and get Calvert's head back in there. I think he's right. I mean, he has convinced me. My my the 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 tipping point for me is when he said that he would like to get Schlunt down in the torture chamber. That did it for me. My my heart my heart agrees with both of you. My brain is not there yet. All right, Evans, are you still I, there or are you gone? I, I had a bad connection while you were just uh, crossing over to the to the from the evil side to the good side. I, I couldn't yeah. hear your reasoning of why you why you crossed over to Calvertville. I said that the tipping point was when you said you wanted to get shot down in the torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little baby left-hand uh, hook. I don't think he can defend. <laughs> um, well, this is uh, these conversations are great. We love having you on. We love that you are Brian the Almanac Evans. We didn't know that that was your nickname, but that is what it will forever be now. Um, this is fun, right? You had a good time doing this? Guys, it's a ton of fun. I love this stuff. And I got to tell you, Fred, the, my, my Alford stats, all that stuff, Calvert shooting percentage, that's all from memory because I love this. I love Indiana basketball, and I've studied those stats. I love them. Uh, it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I'm feeling bad. I want to uh, write a letter to Schlund's family uh, and apologize <laughs> after what I, you guys made me. You guys made me do this to him. But uh, it's, I'm telling you, I struggle. I, I really do. I, it's it'd almost be better if we just – and they've kind of started doing that in baseball. Like they came up with the, you know, hey, this modern era versus the other one because it's, right. it's just so difficult to do. The game, it did. It, it's changed so much. And, I mean, look at the athletes in the game and the, the way it's played. It's so much different. Um, I feel like <laughs> we're not too far away from being in the old era. When I watch the game now, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe I was in the pre-modern era. Yeah, but but I well, do want to say this when you when you say that, though, about the eras like Abraham Lincoln wouldn't be a great politician today, but it doesn't detract from the impact that he made in his time. And Don mm-hmm. Schlunt wouldn't make the Indiana team maybe in 2022. But that doesn't mean that what he did at the time for Indiana wasn't impactful and meaningful in a major way for that time. Well, you guys almost didn't put Scott May on there. So, I mean, we, we, we moved on. We weren't sure how much banter we were going to have. And I can't – let's go back to that for a second. You guys tried to eliminate Scott May. I, I don't even know what? that you should have a podcast. <laughs> well, we didn't try to eliminate Scott May. It's that, that that era of Indiana basketball is considered the best ever. That team was remarkable. And there were three primary stars on that team for different reasons. And Scott ultimately was the one that we both put on, but we're intelligent, deliberative people who like Whoa. to examine Whoa. things Whoa. from all. All right. Yeah. I'm so full of shit. <laughs> you just, just... You're speaking for himself right there. Yeah. 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 So, but he's on our list, man. We're three out of four in agreement with him. I love it. No, we were, we were good. That was good. That was really good. And, and look, man, Calbert is number one in my heart, always and forever. And and you, Brian, are definitely Brian's definitely in the top one hundred and fifty for sure. Without, with I don't even have to think about. 
that is a that is a huge mountain before I get on it. I know I, that sucks, but it would be, have to be a very large mountain. A lot of think, people chipping away. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, I mean, I look. I'm not to blow smoke up your ass, but you're a Big Ten Player of the Year, man. You're an incredible shooter. You are in. A, you are an all-time great. So don't sell yourself short. We like the arrogant Brian Evans, not the self-deprecating one. I know. I, I'm on my Mount Rushmore, guys. I yeah. put myself on there with you. <laughs> here's here's what we've learned in this podcast. Just to recap for anybody who's tuning in just now, <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> here's what we've learned. We've learned Brian Evans looks great in Navy. Always has. He's always known it. We've learned that Brian Evans' nickname is the Almanac, and he harbors a lifelong grudge against Don Schlunt and his family. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and his family. And his family. But he was – so I never saw him play, and I grew up – my favorite player as a kid was Steve Alford, and I wanted Steve to eclipse uh, Don Schlunt's record. Uh, you know what? I You know who would be great to play this game with? I will check back in with you guys. I'm going to get Steve Green to play. That's Ooh. really interesting because he, he he didn't make that. So he went on that 76 team. So right. That'd be really interesting. On the side of the that the answer is that. I'll text. Wait a minute. We've lost you there. Can you say that again? That but he watched them. He said this. Wait, wait, Can wait. you hear me? Yeah, now we can. Say it again about Steve Green. He would be great to uh, ask uh, for his Mount Rushmore for a few reasons. He wasn't on the 76 team. I'm, I'm assuming he put one guy on. I think he'll put Scott May. That's my prediction. I think he would put Steve Alford. I think he would put Isaiah. And I think he would go oldie on the other guy. And I don't – I. Maybe it's Don Schlunt. He may have the same list as you. I'm excited. I'm going to ask him right now when we get off. He, I could see him putting Bellamy because he was probably – what year did, was Steve born in? Like 1950? No, he, no he, he's 68. He graduated in 75. You can do the math. So, so 58. Oh, no. He graduated in 75. So 53. 53. 53. So Bellamy played in the 60s, right? Like in the 1960s. Yeah. He may Late remember 50s. Bellamy as a kid. He may well, have. It was 58 was Bellamy's first year he, at Indiana. He, so Don't be surprised if he puts uh, the splendid splinter on there. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio? He loves. He oh, loves Ted, himself Ted Jimmy Rail. Oh, Jimmy oh. Rail. Jimmy we Rail talked was, about Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy Rail at 29.8 points a game without three-pointers is nothing to sneeze at. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's if he's on there with him because, he, you know, he did. He grew up watching him, and he says he's the best shooter he's ever seen. It's interesting. We just had John McLaughlin on, who was a freshman when Rail was a senior, and they didn't even practice together. But he, he said that um, uh, Rail wasn't even the best player on that team when he showed up. Yeah, I, that's why I throw them all out the window. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was Bolliard. That Bolliard was just the leader and best player on the team, but that maybe that was like a shooter's rivalry. Do you oh, know guys. Tom Bolliard? Do you know Tom Bolliard? I've just shook his hand several times and seen him. He's been around. I mean, he's always kind of been around. I don't. I, don't, I can't say I know him. He he's a guy that you would absolutely love to throw back some beers with. Really? Oh yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and, and like McLaughlin, too, in terms of, yeah, we're shining some light on Don Schlunt today. But John McLaughlin was a bit overshadowed by the Vans in his time. But not only yeah. was he a great player along with the Vans in Bloomington, they were all in their frat room together when they all got called by three different GMs when they were drafted. And McLaughlin went on to be an all-star in Milwaukee uh, uh, and was starting alongside the Big O and Kareem when they won the championship on one of the greatest NBA championship teams of all time. So it's like it's in it's incredible the history and the talent that's come through this university that when a guy like John McLaughlin is is largely forgotten by much of the fan base, it's it's in, embarrassing. Yeah. We all should know who he is, but when you dig into it, it just shows how long Indiana has been so good. Yeah, and as my parting shot to the entire Schlunt family, I would say any press is good press. And Don's name was in the news today, and that's a good thing for the family. Um, he probably goes long stretches without being talked about, and today he was talked about a lot. He was. Hey, Amen. we're going to see you in Bloomington in a few weeks in August, right? Yes, sir. Brian Evans will be there. Who's your fantasy experience.com? Right, that be there. was fun. All right, buddy. You be good. We love you. All right. You too. Same, the same, guys. Love to take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, brother. That was a guest. That was a guest. You, you just threw like three goodbyes at him while I was just I'm trying sorry, to squeeze. Sorry, man. I just one. wanted to kick him off the podcast. <laughs> I just wanted to move on. Why? Right. Because he changed your mind? Traitor. I feel weak. I feel weak <laughs> and emasculated. But I'm officially changing. And Don Schlunt is away. And Calbert Cheney is on my Mount Rushmore. You're sticking want, with Schlunt. I I want to because it's Calbert and because of peer pressure, but I feel somebody's got to hold the line. So I'm sticking with, with Donnie S. I do go back to what I said to him at the end, though, that like if wait, we're not wait. talking about who are you the best. No, you can't rechange your mind now that he's off air. Yeah, I'm going back to your point. <laughs> <laughs> but But where I started was – we didn't do a list of Mount Rushmore of the best four players. That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. It's the Mount Rushmore of most meaningful players. Don Schlunt's back on. <laughs> it's funny because when you phrase it that way, I'm like, well, right now, there's no doubt Calbert Cheney's a more meaningful player to the history of Indiana University because of how many people know him and love him. Yes, but in the, in the history yeah. And you're right. And, Calvert's back on. <laughs> okay. Now we're going back the other way because look at this. Without that 53 championship team, you know, you're going a solid 36 years without a championship. And, and branches and branch. And branches and branch. And now already you have all these people who just love to say we're not a blue blood. But I'm sorry, like the blue bloods were established as these great programs from going all the way back to really the beginnings of college basketball, or certainly once the NCAA tournament became a thing. And though obviously we've had a very lean 20 years, we're still one of the most popular and valuable and recognizable programs in the country. And, and we're on the way back. We're on the way back. And we had a, we had a couple um, flashes along the way that we can easily reestablish our blue blood status with a few good seasons. And, the reason that is is because there's five ban- banners hanging, and very, 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 very few programs have five. Schlunt's back on the list. Yes, You're right. He's back on. 
Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why. We'll talk to you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.